Absolutely. And 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 I I've heard people talk about like you know when they would be mixing records in like the '90s, like the mid '90s, like you know on forward that 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 Burma Eyes and Vulgar were the two. Those were the two they would. Those were their two comparisons. Man, like all right, well okay, this is our mix. Okay, well all right, let's compare it to Burma Eyes. <laughs> Compared to Vulgar, you know what I mean. Th- doesn't sound quite right. All right, turn up the turn up the burn my eyes uh, fader some more. Uh, not not quite there. Turn up the Vulgar fader a little bit more. Right, uh, yeah. right, right, right. Like those were the two sort of, and I think especially this one because I think this is sonically a better sounding record than Vulgar. I think it's, I think, I think, so I think too. it's more full. I think so too. You know, yeah, uh, across that's the thing across the board. Like Vulgar is an amazing Pantera record. Mm-hmm. Amazing sounding Pantera record. Right. Pantera sounds amazing on that record. Right. But metal sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> on this album. <laughs> so, like <laughs> that's, that's the end of the show. <laughs> like there there are uh there are so many different things that are done that that are being done on here that so many other bands do going forward. You talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm just gonna sit here and drink this porter. <laughs> and you got a few more to go, so we may as well get into it. I'm gonna talk about DAWs. <laughs> <laughs> What's my favorite dog? No, not no, use? really, actually, I am. Because uh, I had. Um... Well, shit. Now I gotta pull it back up because I can't remember the name of it. I had. Um... Oh, yep, that sounds better. There we go. Man, that's weird. Like it's changing from week to week, and you didn't actually change anything. Uh, n- no, I, it's just it's it's so much hotter. The knob has to be uh-huh. higher than mine, right? And that seems strange to me. Yeah. So agreed. But maybe those are just a different impetus. Im- Im- impetus, not I- impedance. Impedance. There it is. Different. <laughs> the different. Yeah. Impediments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Impediments. Speech impediments. All right. But, uh... So, you were telling me about some DAWs or something. Yeah, so do you know... Well, what, it doesn't really matter. I bought some a software bundle a while ago that was uh, Magix. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned branded. that. Yeah, and so that's uh, uh, like Music Maker and Acid Pro and all this other shit. Okay. It was a whole suite of the software, um, and I never really got around to using it, but it was like five bucks for all these different versions a mm-hmm. few years ago. And... Uh, the other day I was finally because I've got I've got this music that I wrote over years uh, the the chiptune sort of stuff and it's amazing thank you uh, and it's in this like online web based tool and I've always been like I really like to get that sort of out of there you can export it and do whatever you want with it oh that's good <laughs> but I w- I've always wanted to like remake some of that stuff right in better quality and like with more robust tool set yeah 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 so I'm like if I just get a doll that I can use in the same way as that. I can remake this and, you know, make some changes, make it a little bit better. Um, and I tried using the one that I had, the Magic's Music Maker, and just wasn't really as feature-rich as I would have liked. Mm. Uh, it had, like, a sort of grid-based, uh, uh, what do you call it? There's a name for that style of production suite where you can just, like... Step? Step, uh... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the piano roll or uh, yeah, it's it's step something. But 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 where you're like 
where you're clicking the things basically and picking are... the the voice that you want for it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Add effects sound and all this stuff. Uh, different, yeah, different instruments, different yeah, add drums, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I like working that way. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's really like low effort, mm-hmm. and you can sort of get something out there pretty quick. Uh, so I was like, how do I find a good one of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the software I had didn't really do it for me. So I was like, started looking around and I, I found whatever the term is, step something, something DAW basically. Uh, and a, a couple of suggestions came up and then one that I picked was called Serato. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. It's apparently like relatively new brand, okay. not in, not an endorsement or anything, uh, but you can download a free trial. And I was playing with that, uh, some earlier today. Uh, and it seems pretty cool. Awesome. So, uh, I'm going to try to use that a little bit. Cool. See what I can do. See if I can build some more, some sounds and what kind of flexibility it has and see what I can get out of that. Otherwise, maybe try like FL Studio or something like that. That's what I was going to suggest yeah. was, was Fruity Loops because I know that, I know that that's like, that seems to be like the gold standard or not the gold standard, but that seems to be what a lot of electronic musicians use and have used yes. for decades long long time Um, so and uh did you did you mess with reaper at all no but that was another recommendation that i saw a lot lots of metal guys use reaper okay so you think it would have a similar like a uh good tool set for what it is that i'm trying to do with this music the thing that's nice about reaper is that it's very cheap and and they have a cheaper more like yeah yeah well and they have like a kind of a if i remember correctly they have kind of a robust trial version okay and so it would be very easy to figure out if it can do perfect what and the other nice thing about reaper from what i can tell is that it's sort of similar to it's sort of similar to Pro Tools in the sense that lots of people are using it. So when you run into a problem, someone's already had that problem. Right. And posted about it somewhere. So and and then and then a lot of the people that are that are using Reaper are um I was going to say amateurs, but that feels like a dirty word. And I don't mean it in like a dirty sense. I, I mean, I mean, they're, they're creators. Like they're using Reaper to make their music. That's what I mean. Gotcha. They're, they're creators. Okay. Yeah. They're creators. They're, you know, they're not um, doing session work per se. Well, you know what I mean? Like, or they're not getting a band in to record. They're just doing their own well, stuff. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, some people still, st- you know, some people do do that. You know what I mean? Sure. But, but it is like, yeah, there, um, there are a lot of software suites out there, like in game creation, there's like Unity, for example, mm. which is like a lot of small time people doing their own things. And there's a huge, there's a huge support community, like, right. you're, like you're discussing. It's like if you run into a problem, someone may have already solved it and they may have written a tool to do so, you know, that sort of thing. So right, right, that's, right. that's really beneficial to be able to get into an ecosystem that's already right. That was it. Mature like that. <laughs> this is really funny. So it's like... Because I just told, because we just released the video game episode from like October, mm-hmm. and and I deleted the preamble because I was like, oh, we talked about Dawes, and that was boring. So uh, I mentioned that to you, and you're like, all right, well, let's just have it again. Just fucking talk about Dawes, um, motherfucker. <laughs> so, so, but it is the uh, people are getting their Daw talk one yeah. way or the another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The another talk Dawy to me. Uh, 
so digital audio workstation yeah uh doll and so like <laughs> this Is, is also technically a doll. Well, this is a paw. <laughs> you know, a physical audio workstation. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, it's a D a DSW a digital studio ooh. workstation. Is it also a DSPAW or it's a digital studio piss audio workstation? <laughs> That's not that one. That's not that one. Okay. That's not that one. Okay. That that one got left in the garage when it got demoed. Oh really? Yeah. Did it? it did it? Does that imply that it got demoed? Um, it either got demoed or the like as far as you know, the garage came down around it, or the people, or I mean, I don't know, the okay. people that were doing it okay. might have been like, you know, he said that this was full of piss, but <laughs> but maybe he was full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let yeah. me take this home, see if I could do something with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not impossible. Uh, but I, yeah. I was like, yeah. Th- Gather that up with the walls, put it in that dumpster in the driveway. I hope for their sake they didn't like take it inside their homes where they live and you know spend time and oh, eat. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, just, it's just been sitting out there in the garage, and that back wall was blown off in like a tornado right. a few years ago. So nature was reclaiming <laughs> that garage. Nature uh, was healing inside of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, inside of that back there. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but I do remember when we when we did have that conversation because I, I what I was saying the one that got nuked the one that got nuked because I don't remember what we talked about exactly. Um, I think I was just talking about I don't really remember, but what I don't remember what started. But one of the, but you did say one of the things I was saying was that the people that I've talked to, um, that really seem to know what they're doing. Um, like professional, like, yeah, man, I pay my fucking mortgage do, you know, being an audio engineer. Yeah. Right. Um, those guys don't think that pro tools is the best, mm-hmm. you know, like as in it, they don't even think it has the best workflow. They don't think that it has necessarily the best capabilities or whatever. And it's like, but it's the industry standard. For whatever reason, you know, whatever confluence of factors have made it the one that most people use. And it's like, so you should learn how to use that one. Mm-hmm. And is is his it was sort of his advice. And 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 in retrospect, well, I remember when I said that, you said something I hadn't thought about, which was what we were saying, which was you're like, Yeah, so there's there's gonna be a lot of support for it. And you're absolutely right, because every problem I've run into, I've been able to find a solution very quickly. Right. You know, because it is so widely used. Yeah. And another thing that's been enormously helpful uh, um, for me, and I'm glad, is that because I've had people contact me to do sessions or to do sessions here, and they're using Pro Tools. And since they're using Pro Tools... bring that project in. I can just bring their whole session in, pull it up, and then I can just and then I can look at their session, and then I can do the same thing with the drum track, send it to them, and right. you don't have to come because what you have to do otherwise is you have to commit all your edits 
and your and effects if you have them and all that sort of stuff and which is what do you mean by commit you have to consolidate it all down into a single wave file okay so maybe you have a drum take right that is you know maybe you did three takes right maybe you did those three takes all on top of each other like three di totally different passes okay or maybe you did the first verse and then you muddle up in the first chorus. So then you punched in, got to the first chorus, to out to the outro, and then you would want to do something different now and then you had the outro, right? Right. Um, if, if he was working in Logic and I was working in Pro Tools or vice versa or whatever, I would have to um, consolidate all those, <clears throat> make those all just single wave files, single files. Yeah. And then give him those complete files. Whereas if we're using the same DAW, you know, if you're using Pro Tools, then I can just give him the session and he can be like, oh, well, I actually liked what he did that first take. Let me just let me just drag this over here mm -hmm. and I'm going to punch it in here in through halfway through the second verse instead of right at the beginning of the of the second verse, you know, yeah. um, or like, oh, I don't think he hear how heard how that symbol got cut off. Let me you know what I mean? It just it it, it lets you. I mean, in a bad way, it, it it lets you delay decision making, I guess, is what some could say. But it also lets the person who should be responsible for those decisions be responsible for those decisions. Right. If that's their call to make, then yes. that's a very handy tool to give them. Exactly. For whatever reason, the analogy of like, the analogy just popped into my head of like giving someone a completed Lego set. <laughs> versus giving them a completed Lego set that you've glued together. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. Who it's would like, ever do that? It's like know, you can repaint it if you want to. Right. But you can't take it apart or can't. add things to it. Right. Or you mm -hmm. can add things to it. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you can. Yeah. But you, ex that's that's real. That, that that That's not the worst analogy, yeah, yeah. actually. Um, I'm going to change something here. Completely goofy one, but apt. I'll stand by that stupid analogy. Yeah, so, so I'm I'm glad that I'm using Pro Tools. It, the biggest downside is is the price, and 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 the whole subscription based model. I'm oh, they've gone to that now. They're they're mostly that, or you pay like seven hundred dollars or some some. So you can pay one time. You can. Okay. Yeah, and at first I was like, I don't know if this is worth it, mm. because I didn't know if I was going to stick with it. Now I feel like I am, but I don't know. But now you've been subscribed so long. That you well, not that long. Okay. It's like six months or something. So cool. That's like it's like Adobe software this, these days. Oh it's, god. It's all that. It is, man. And I, I hate that too, it's man. Because yeah. I'm I'm using Premiere and Photoshop. You know. There's a fantastic um I'll find it and give it to you later. Um mm -hmm. there's a fantastic grid. There's a, a big image that somebody created or maybe a group of people created that is just uh it's divvied up by Adobe product. And it's just a list of alternatives. Cool. It's this, it's a huge list because there are a lot of alternatives to these things. If you don't like using Adobe shit and or paying for it, if you don't pirate it already, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it's again, it's like a lot of these things. I'm just I've just been sort of like slave to, or not slave, like beholden to. Well, who do I know, and what do they use? Yeah. Okay, that's what they use. Okay, teach me how to use that. All right. Well, I guess this is what I'm using. And there's value in that. Yeah, cuz like so. Justin Justin uses Photoshop and Justin uses Premiere. Yeah. You know, Keith 
videographer right. that we know uses Premiere. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got, and that's that's what I know how to do stuff in. And I almost to a fault, everything that I know how to do in a DAW or, or editing or Photoshop, everything I know how to do is very functional. It's very like it's very like, well, I was making this thing and I needed this to be able to make that thing. Right. And I learned just enough to make the thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know how any of this really, really works. You know, like I never really had the discipline or the patience to take a Pro Tools class. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, or watch a introduction to Premiere video or whatever. I just, I'm like, just let me get the feel of the interface of the program. Let I'm, me figure out how to do what I need to do. And whenever I need to do something different, go look it up. I'll figure it out then. I mean, that's how programming works. Really? <laughs> Seriously. Like when, when programmers say that they spend like most of their day on Google or mm-hmm. Stack Overflow or whatever, it's for a reason. Because there's a billion things that you're not going to remember. That's, it's not useful to remember. Sure. That you can just go look up. And that's just how you do that. That's an interesting concept. I remember I remember running into that idea when my um when doing my physics degree. Um how wh- how how high math did you take? Did you get to like Diffy Q? No. Cal three? Cal two? Cal two and um discrete, I think were the highest. Okay, discrete mathematics. Okay. Yeah. Um well Cal two will be enough to understand this idea. So um like, so you're familiar with integrals and integral tables? No. So tables, no. But I I understand why that's an that's an important thing. Right, right. So it's like it turns out like derivatives are easy as shit to do, right? Like taking the derivative of something in calculus is like it's just like turning a crank. Like what are the rules, Bob? Okay, but going backwards is not so easy. Right. And because of that, there's all these really weird techniques and, you know, integration by parts and are, so, you know, or in substitution and yes. all these weird, wacky things, um, trigonum. Em- and so it's all about because, because the algebra is so sticky, you know, um, and that, that's really it. Mm-hmm. And like calculus itself is not that difficult, but the algebra you need to do is, is awful. <laughs> Um, I didn't really get my algebra together until differential equations. Um, and Damn. so what, what happens is that to do an integral, to, to go backwards, you have to do a lot of manipulation of your equation algebraically to make it look like something different so that the integration will work. Right. And to even do that, you need to be able to identify what it is that you need to do next. Right. You need to I did be able to identify those, the, patterns those patterns and those identities and whatnot. And so, like, a lot of them are, uh, like, trig substitutions, yeah. you know. Uh, and trig formulas get very wacky and very um, tedious to memorize. Yeah. Um, I can't throw them all out. I can't throw them out at you right now. I sure as fuck can't You know, yeah. like um, – I can derive a lot of them, but let's, <laughs> right, let's right. not go that direction. Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, the show. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so because of that and because of like hundreds of other things, like 
you often will have like I mean I don't know how I don't know what physics students or people do now but you know in the mid aughts mm -hmm. what you would do what often you would have is like uh like a math handbook in your backpack that you'd open up and like a section of it would be just integral tables mm -hmm. and it would be you know if you have an integral of this form where this is this and this is this this is this is what the result is going to be. Right. Right. Um, and I remember when I was in a PhD program, like one of the students was, we were talking with like one of our mentor professors and they're like, what's the point of me memorizing this stuff if I'm just going to look it up anyway? Mm -hmm. You know, cause he was, cause he was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, you're, we're going to do this exam or we're going to do this whatever, but no. Right. No, no table. No. Right. Yeah. And, and what he, what he said, I thought was, extremely insightful and there is a there's a real there's there's a real sort of kernel of wisdom to this that i think is important to learning and to and to the concept of learning and especially in this modern sort of information age and he was like if you don't have it at your fingertips you won't know that it exists and you won't know to look for it and now that doesn't necessarily mean that it always has to be at your fingertips but there may be maybe that's maybe that's the next step of it it doesn't always need to be at your fingertips now and forevermore but there needs to be a period in your life <laughs> when it was because later on you might not be able to recognize that pattern when you say at your fingertips you mean from your own mind yeah yeah yeah. not at not as reference oh yes i'm sorry I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, that that, was, that's the way that gotcha. he said it. That's the way that he said it. I understand. Um, but no, no, no. Yeah. When I say at your fingertips, I mean like, it's just here. You just got it. Right. You just know what it is. Maybe on the tip of your tongue. That's a better Might way be, to say okay. it. Okay. It's I just see. in your head. You I got know you. what I mean? Not like. Right. You know. Because I was like, well, the reference. Is at your finger. Yeah. That's not what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, God okay. damn it. Whoops. Thank you for catching that. Okay. But like, um, yeah, conceptually, mentally. You know, it's you have it memorized. It's in there. You know it, mm -hmm. so that you don't. Because otherwise, you're like if you don't know that the pattern exists, then you're not going to know where to, how to look it up. Right. You know, and I feel like that's a that's probably relevant to what you're talking about, in the sense like, I'm good at Google, but I couldn't go do your job. Right, and there are people who try to do that. Or they just like Google a, a problem that someone tells them about and then they go find an answer and copy and paste it. That's like a very common like thing that you hear about happening. And it's, right. it's not good. But the things that you go look for like that aren't how to solve this problem. The problem solving is the part that you do in your mind, mm -hmm. right? The, the technical details of like, well, okay, in, in Perl, does a one inside of two uh um two semicolons not semicolons uh parentheses does that resolve to a an integer or a string uh in in scalar uh uh, uh context or something like that mm. that's uh -huh. the kind of shit that you understand by doing it a lot but if you just need to know the answer to that question you're not going to know it in your mind right yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. reason to have to know that that's kind of a bad example in some ways Right. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like no. te technical implementation details are the sorts of things that live in reference manuals sure. to be referred to. Sure. Um, 
whereas how to write an algorithm there are books on algorithms but that's the sort of thing that you really think about because it's it's way more contextual than yeah 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 uh yeah anyway there's a, a reddit post i saw a few days ago or maybe a week ago or something that was like someone posted it in like you know are funny um and it was like here's like the guys that i'm paying to fix my car watching a video on how to fix my car you know like ah and then like the i I was i was happy because the top comment was like i'm a mechanic and 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 yes i do this all the time my skill set is not instantly knowing how to solve every problem my skill set is knowing how to put things back together and mm. then still work. Mm. Like my, mm. that, that my, my skill set is being able to take things apart and put them back together without damaging them. Um, right. And, and, and having all the specialized tools that I need to do all that effectively. Yeah. And how to use them all. Right. Uh, right, sure, right, sure, right. Sure. And I showed that to Alice. She's like, that's exactly the same for me. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and it's funny too, because she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good at putting that skin back together you know that whatever you know right sew that up and or however that shit works um but now man like because she has to ref you know like okay how do we treat this what do we do that you know what i mean how do we um how do i do this procedure and it's i feel like you'd have to be that might be shocking to hear i guess but i'm sure it is because i think people just don't think about when they think about an expert or, or a specialized uh, role like that, right? you think about – it just seems like magic on some level, right? Because there's so much shit that goes into doing that. You're like, well, they must know what they're doing at all times. Right. There's just like an implicit trust there right. that you have. It, this kind of almost relates to um, – my friend Corey was over here hanging out the other day. And, um, is that you? That was that you. Me? Oh, my God. I ain't got that damn – tone on my phone oh i know what allison's ordering for dinner (laughs) (laughs) um and uh but now he was over here the other day and we we were talking about all sorts of stuff but i was reminded of when because he and i met because we needed a bassist for the uh small deal record Mm -hmm. and through a mutual friend i got his number and thank god i was able to have i was able to get him on the phone and was able to um, convince him to come and do do the record. Right. Um, man. Worked out more than well. Oh, my God. Um, because because since he played bass on the record, I was able to get I was able to get two hot shit keyboard players and a hot shit saxophone player. And then because he was on the record, I was able to get other people to play live with us. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. completely elevated everything they were trying to do so awesome thank you Corey. um i don't think i don't think i ever saw him play with you y'all. did i saw maybe yeah, red did. dwarf he played with us okay oh red dwarf right yeah never mind um true but yeah I mean, if you came to those first few natsuo shows i don't think he was he had tracked the record for us exactly i remember you telling me that somebody else yeah, yeah okay. but but he wasn't with us with us yet gotcha live right like we kind of needed to I wanted to build up a little bit before I wanted it. I wanted to like get a little bit under our belts and make to where we could afford to pay him. Cause that's the thing too, is with a guy like that, 
doesn't matter how fun the gig is, doesn't matter how easy it is, doesn't matter how much of a good time it is. He's if I'm asking him to come play with us on a Saturday night, he's saying no. I'm asking him to say no to something else. Sure. And that something else would probably be paying him more, so I need to pay him something. That's fair. Um yeah. But um <clears throat> but so he's just pro beyond pro. Okay. Best musician I've ever played with. And he um and I learned so much by watching him record. That was like one of the most like educational like experiences of my life. One, because if you want to get good at fucking running Pro Tools, be in a situation where you're paying someone to play and yeah. and, and that shit's gotta run right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that you can track their shit, you know? Yes. First of all, that's number one, right? Um, that's your ass, if not. So, yeah. Yep. And, uh, but watching him track, watching him record, like when he got to say a part that took a few, a few takes, like a section took a few takes, mm-hmm. his demeanor on the first take versus the seventh take was the exact same. Because he knew he was going to get it. Mm-hmm. Got the professional cool. Yeah. He had a thousand percent confidence that he was going to get it right. I was like, oh, no, that wasn't it. Let's do it again. Ah, almost. One more time. <laughs> One more time. You know? Maybe next time. Ah, oh, almost. wait, let me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just didn't didn't care whereas like me if i don't have something by the third take i at the time i would get all in my head and i would be like i wish there was time be shit drummer i should have never tried to do this oh my god blah, blah, blah. i should have practiced more oh my god i'm worthless oh, just shoot me in the face kill me now i never want to play drums again oh like i get into that i would get into that i know what you mean yeah real quick you know yeah i got you and i've been there and i had never i had been around so many musicians who ha- could do an aspect of music really, really well. Yeah. But I hadn't spent a lot of time with someone who was a professional musician. Like, I'd been around people who could do aspects of it at a professional level. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you run into that a lot in, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Right? Like, you might be a purple belt, but... You've got a black belt level. You've got there's like one one move that you can do at a black belt level. Right. You put all your points into that. You spec <laughs> that way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, and and you can do that there, but but not not everything else about your game is at that level. So you're just you you know you're like oh I'm rolling with that guy. Make sure, watch out for that triangle. <laughs> don't don't because <laughs> he's. He, it's like if you if even if if you even smell that triangle coming, it's too late, <laughs> you know. Right. Um. And so, whereas Corey was like, to stick with, it's stupid to say like a black belt in music. That's so stupid. But <laughs> I, I can think of worse <laughs> analogies. <laughs> but he wasn't just someone who who like. Well, I can play my songs really well, you know. I can do this thing really well. You know, he was like, no, man, I can fucking record. I can, I can make music. I can make any music that's happening around me better. Mm-hmm. That's my job. And I can, you know, um, 
And so I almost sort of think of that. And more to the point, like if if the thing that he does do specifically isn't quite working at the time, it's not going to ruin everything else. What do you mean? It's gonna he'll he'll make it happen eventually, right? Oh yeah, like you were saying, right, right, and right, that's right. An, like that persistence, that that uh, um, consistency, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And the, the, and there's something that's like really inspiring about working with musicians too. The ones that I've that I've been really lucky to work with is there is this sort of like commitment to the music first, and commitment is a better word than consistency, yeah. And it's like, all right, well, like once you say yes, you know, to me, that's like the unspoken code, right? Like the unwritten rule of being a musician. And I've been really fortunate enough to be around people who have sort of taught me this through their actions, mm-hmm. which is if someone asks you to do the gig, once you say yes, you do absolutely everything you can to make the music as good as you possibly can. Yeah. Doesn't matter if the pay is shit. Doesn't matter if the band leader is an asshole. Doesn't matter if the weather is terrible. Doesn't matter if the hang is terrible. Doesn't matter if you're sick. None of that matters. You do everything you can to make the music as good as you can make it in that moment. And if it's really bad, then don't say yes again. <laughs> um, you know, but once, once you give your word, yep. then then you know you're 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 really in it um yeah i mean that that proves that you're reliable you know that and that's so much of what it is that's a huge that's a huge deal especially in that kind of collaborative space you know yeah it's so it's it's so to be, weird to, to sort be, of go ahead to be able to count on someone like that is like that's one of those uh in in, in sports they would call that intangible mm. one of those intangibles i see you know I've gotten so many gigs that I probably shouldn't have gotten that I was not the best for just because I'm I'm really reliable and I and I and I try hard. Right. Cuz man, <laughs> imagine how many people just like flake out for like the, the littlest thing. Yep. It's got to be a ton. So many. So so yeah. many. Um that that's worth more than ability a lot of times I imagine. It is yep. Can we get a drummer? Can we get them here? <laughs> yeah. Will they will they just do what they say they're going to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's it's and so Um, but yeah, like the, it's been really strange to sort of work with Alice or not work with, but, but, you know, like be married to Allison and like, like to think about like how her job is and like what is depending on her job. Like the stakes. Yeah. The stakes involved at her job. Yeah. Like she's literally... Oh shit! I zigged when I should have zagged. He's dead now, right? And I'm just like reading music off of a page, mm-hmm. right? And it's and she can call in sick, but I can't. <laughs> and that's interesting. <laughs> you mean like to like a gig or something? Or? To a gig, yeah, to a gig, you know, or shit, man. Even to, to a teaching. recording session. Oh, sure. Okay. Even to teaching, man. Like, you know, when I was teaching. At a music school, it's like if I if I had to call in on a day, I, I still I didn't get paid, first of all, and I still I had to make up that time later, you know, like I still huh. had to teach those kids th- that lesson. Oh, sure. At some other time, right? You know what I mean. So there was, and then while I was there, 
I am unreachable. Yeah. Alice is not unreachable at the hospital. There's like sometimes some 20 to 30 minute, maybe an hour, maybe two hour stretch where she's like unreachable. Right. You know what I mean? But like that's going to be that's going to be bookended by she's going to have downtime. You know, I mean, I feel like that's a big part of that is the scale that you're working at, though. Right. You're working at a much smaller scale and she's working at a team based large so that you're able to be more flexible even though the stakes are higher on an individual on a case-by-case basis of course and there's a lot more demand for for her skill set you know what i mean and so so the pay is better and it, and it may you know what i mean and there's all sorts of right of like economic lenses that 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 certainly explain that problem yeah you know or explain that condition it's just an interesting thing to think about but it was an interesting like dichotomy to sort of like yeah. see like me feeling like I have to leave a family's, you know, like a family member's, like to not be able to stay as long as I really should have at like a family get together um, or something because I've committed to do this gig Mm, mm. and I've got to get to it, you know? And it's like just such a, you know, um, it, it's it was it's just an interesting like juxtaposition or like for me to be for me to like not be able to look at my phone because I'm teaching some kid like nope that's you know you gotta turn your hand like this you know <laughs> that's not where your thumb goes like yeah. that's, like that's not life and death <laughs> you know um but it, it I don't know no it, it's just an interesting thing yeah it's not that it, I mean in the grand scheme it's not all that important but it's just you doing it right so th- th- that's really it that's really it like yeah. if I yeah right. Um, and, but the, what I was sort of saying with bringing up Corey and like his demeanor is I imagine that's like, he was approaching doing that session the same way that you probably record, you probably approach doing programming projects. Like, well, I don't know how to do this, but I'm good at figuring out how to do shit. I don't know. <laughs> Within reason. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. I like, I'm good. It's like, okay, this is a problem to solve. And my, my real skill set is solving problems, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the meat of that, of that job. So something I hear about a lot sort of, um, is like people teaching themselves to program. Uh huh. And then I've heard of it both ways. I've heard of people teaching themselves to, it's like, did you hear that? So you hear what so-and-so's doing lately? Uh, no, what do they do? Oh, man, they taught themselves to program, and they're, like, programming stuff for Boeing, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, but you didn't go to school for that. Oh, I, need to go st- oh, I didn't need to go to school for that, blah, 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 blah. I just taught myself. Or people that are, well, I taught myself how to do this, but they won't let me have a job because I don't have a degree, uh-huh. da, 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 da. Like, what's, what's your experience or take on that sort of stuff? Uh, well, which part? Because there's kind of two questions there. Both, like, really. So, like, can you teach yourself how to program, basically? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, what do you mean by teach yourself, exactly? Because I don't know, because I'm not really sure what what uh, they okay. mean, either. Okay, I got you. Um, I mean, there are... You can get a book or a PDF or, you know, whatever the fuck. Uh, you can go to the C++ website, mm-hmm. and you can pour over their documentation as to what each little aspect of the language does uh, and you can like figure it out 
you'd have to be some sort of a crazy person to do that, but you could do that. Or you could sign up for a, um, like an online course, mm-hmm. watch a bunch of videos, do exercises. You could do it that way. Or you could know someone who is a C++ programmer and have them show you like the basics and then go from there and read, read the documentation on the more advanced stuff. Or you can go to college, learn it there. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Have you met self-taught programmers? I'm sure. Uh, no, nobody comes to mind, but... All right. Have you, so you haven't knowingly had any experience with self-taught programmers? Well, I mean, so before I went to school for it, before I, before I went back to college, I didn't even know what programming really was. Mm-hmm. But if you download... Like, so back in like 2010 or whatever, if you downloaded Visual Studio, Microsoft's... IDE, the Integrated Development Environment, hmm. it would come with, uh, like I got uh, Visual Studio Free C++, uh, C Sharp at the time. Okay. And it came with like a set of five tutorials and one showed you how to make like a tic-tac-toe game. One showed you how to do uh, a calculator or something like that. And so I went through those and it kind of, I, w- I was able to familiarize myself with enough things to where I felt like I knew how basically it worked. And so I was sort of on that road to like figuring it out for myself mm-hmm. with a tutorial. Cause it, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. Like depends on what you mean by teach yourself. Right. I guess, uh, learn yeah, without, sure. learn without anyone else's input. Right. Or, like, yeah. Cause there are resources out there. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I guess like I thought it was, I haven't run across I, okay, so I know a number of people who are professionals in a variety of fields, mm-hmm. and there is no other um, field in which I know people that are professionals in that I have heard about people being self-taught to the same level of competency in that field. Like no one's been like, oh, like I know someone. I know someone who's an archaeologist. I've never heard someone say like, oh, self-taught well, archaeologist. Yeah, I, I taught I taught myself how, how to be an archaeologist. I taught myself how to be an aerospace engineer. I taught myself how to be a chemical engineer. Right. I taught you know what I mean. I taught myself how to fly airplanes. I taught myself how to be a surgeon. I taught, I've, I've never. Well, I've so, never heard that. Sure. Um, I would never even say that I taught myself how to be a drummer. Yeah. Um, and so, but I've I've heard like just I I know two people who claim to be self-taught programmers. Well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, to 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 fly a plane, you need a plane, right? You can't, <laughs> sure. You can't just go do that. To to be a surgeon, you need bodies. Yeah. Yeah. You need someone who's going to live or die. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be able to exercise those, those skills. Fair enough. To play drums, you need a drum set. Fair enough. To learn to program, you just you need, need a computer. Which everyone has. It can be the cheapest fucking sure. computer imaginable. Sure. Because people were learning how to program back in the 70s and the 60s and 50s, whatever, you know. Right. That's Well, that's point. maybe a bit far back, but. Definitely the 80s, let's say. Sure, that's the um, point. So you can, and not only can you learn to program, you can build an entire application and put it up for people to use. Mm-hmm. It may not work to scale because traffic might become a problem and all this stuff, but um, you can totally do that. You can learn how to do that in a room by yourself, mm-hmm. for sure. And some people learn better that way. Uh, some people can just you you build the model of what you're doing in your head. Yeah, and that is how a lot of people just do that. Yeah, I I guess that it's I'm my I have sort of an 
an initial skepticism, I guess. But then I guess like maybe that's the thing is that a program either works or it doesn't. Right. <sighs> that's that's okay. uh, that's a difficult question. All right. Fair actually, enough. Let's, um, I'll back up on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I won't. I won't go into why. That's we can do a programming cast if you want to sometime. Gotcha. <laughs> but uh, oh. but like. Like, what are the checks? Like, if you're, because t- that, that's the thing. Like, when when someone is like, I'm a self taught whatever, you know, like, I'm, I'm gonna be, because you need to know how to do something. Well, so, so here's the thing. Like, I was sort of, you know, I was saying how the job is problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. If you're good at problem solving, you can, you can work as a software developer, for example. You can work as a programmer. You just need to learn the language. You need to learn to speak the language. Right. Right. And you can learn any number of languages. Mm-hmm. So if you're good at that, you can do that. You just need to be able to speak the right languages. The The difference comes when you are having to work in a team. For example, that's a different skill set sure. than doing it yourself. Mm. Uh, one of the courses I took at... Uh, UHD was like a team-based engineering project where we got on a team, picked someone to be the team quote-unquote leader uh, to delegate tasks to the other people to figure out how to get a thing made mm-hmm. in a semester, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a different skill set to problem solving. It, it, it is still problem solving, but you're solving different problems. It is. Right? You're not solving software-based problems. You're solving social problems. And time-based problem like you know your time boxing and your you know figuring out how to delegate work out how to split up the work logically to where it can be done and then brought together later mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing so, so anyone can sit in the room with enough time and figure out how to write software mm-hmm. um doing it to standards that other people look for or, or correctly to spec, or handling all the errors that you should have handled, or in a readable way to anyone else, because it could be an unbroken, just a paragraphs of code that no right. one else can read but you, but it works, right? So there are all sorts of different things that go into working as a programmer versus just being one. This, I feel like it all makes sense to me now. <laughs> okay. Like the... What I, what I mean to say is I'm going to apply to be a programmer tomorrow. <laughs> uh, no, because you're I, – I, I, I get it, and there is a direct I, – I, I mean, there's a direct analogy to music. I'm you, sure there is, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's – and like um, – Yeah, because you can be a savant fucking drummer and not know how to play with a band. There's just one aspect of it. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or when I think about – because that's was the, that was the thing that was so nice about working with uh, Michael when we were writing all the small deal material was that you know he spent some time at at Berkeley College of Music he spent some uh-huh. time at MI um, and so he and I are both we both speak the same musical language right. So that made songwriting effortless for us because we were able, we were, I, I was able to say like, can we, let's add a beat to it. 
Um, or let's do this rhythm and I write out the rhythm, mm -hmm. you know, or, oh, that's not working. Okay. What rhythm are you doing? Okay. Let me write it out. Okay. Well, we should try this, you know, and I'm write out a different rhythm or da, 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 da. And I'm like, did you do a keychain? Let's do a different chord there. Let's try You know, or we speak the same language. So it was very easy to do arrangements. Let's just try doing it three times before we go to that. Let's mm -hmm. put in a, let's do it. Let's add three more. Let's add two more measures. All of that was just effortless. Right. That communicate that to be able to communicate at that level, and so it made the songwriting just oh so so enjoyable. Right, like Where, it like lubricates the workflow. It's yeah, oh, so so great. Takes so many of the small little impediments out of it, so you can right. think about what you're actually caring about, which is the music. Which is the right? music. And so. then he and I were able to make charts, and then give those to the people that we hire to play with us. Mm. And then that made it to where we could do two hour sets and sound like we were a band with a 45 minute rehearsal. Mm. One, one 45 minute, one hour long rehearsal. Right. You know, and then we're able to have, you know, guitar, drums, bass, keys, horns all on stage ripping through these you know a two hour long set and it sounds like it sounds like we're of just a, a fucking machine you know i mean it did not not like a machine but it sounds like oh well those guys rehearse a few times a week they rehearse several times leading up to this gig it's like no we did one time <laughs> 45 minutes um but it's because we were able to put it all into that language on the charts and all those guys speak that language you know and, exactly yeah you know whereas you think about what we were doing with just say all severed, how goddamn impossible would it have been to have teach taught someone else our, our music, especially yeah. the last stuff that we did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we didn't even know how to describe it. <laughs> we knew, we just knew how to play it, had to literally perform it physically. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and thank God though, too. That's why it, I can't remember some of that shit anymore <laughs> because the muscle memory, like I can play again all the way through, but uh -huh. uh, there are parts of like, uh, only an ending where I'm like, I don't fucking know what I did here. You know why? Because we, years ago. <laughs> because we didn't play that one live. Yeah, but we played it a lot in practice. And if we, my it's point different. is, <laughs> my, my point is, if we had formalized it and even written it down once anywhere, right, that would be doable. Right, like we would back, like you would get into situations where you didn't know that you and Jeremy were playing something different until you were tracking. Right. <laughs> like that's what you do there. That's not what I do there. Oh no. Oh shit. <laughs> And I mean, but that definitely but, happened at least once. But but one thing though is that we were, you know, like Jeremy was in band for four years. I think I was in band for four years. You were in band for four. Some we a so few years, yeah. So we did have a a serious foundation of you know we knew like what music was like like concepts of of, of meter and subdivision and yeah. we didn't just it wasn't just. We'll go do get a bucket of Right. It wasn't yeah. that. Yeah. Cause I can imagine like someone just playing on feel alone and just like all natural. Just dude. That's how Kevin Schubert plays. Who? Uh, little Kevin. Little Kevin. From from Eden. His first and name is Little, his last name is Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then his, you know, his sir like some people have a title like Sir, you know, or the third. Uh -huh. That's Schubert for him. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but no, man, he'd be lying weight, hoard affair, catches the ghost, and then play with me in Eden. And yeah. I remember like us getting to get like it, this happened a few years ago. He's like, Yeah, I have this heavy song, you know, you wanna fuck around with it? Like, yeah, sure, let's do it. 
And there's never been a harder song for me to try and learn in my life. Ever. Okay? I remember you telling me about this, yeah. Because cause he's just like, well, um, because he just learned all by ear from listening to like the craziest shit, the crazy metalcore shit that he listened to, you know, mm-hmm. like Scarlet and Dillinger and Confer- Converge and just all that fucking banana sandwiches fucking shit. And he's like, oh, I guess that's what music is. So... You know, gunga gunga gun wang gun wang gun wang 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 gunga gunga gun 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 wang gun wang wang gunga gunga gunga, and he can play it the same every time. Like it, it's he it, knows it exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then like the song is twenty-two of those parts in a row, non-repeating. And so now he has to describe it to you so that you can follow along. Right. And he's like, and he just, all he, all he has, is he like, he's just like, he's just, I'm going to play it for you. The, the way to convey that information is to just play what he plays. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I try to do it. I'm like, all right, what's the next riff? You know? Right. And then, and then I got to, I was like, all right, if you want me to learn this, you just need to record this. Just, re- just, just push record, just fucking record it. And then I'll learn it. So did you, did you write it out after you? Uh, he didn't want to work on it. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh. No, but what I would have what I would have done for me, for my process, yeah, would have been um if I was gonna learn that now, I'll say it that way. If I was gonna learn that now, I'd have him record it, I'd throw it into a DAW, and then I would put markers and I'd be like, All right, riff one, riff two, riff three, riff four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, however many parts there are, and then I would learn each part. Yeah. You know, or I, I would learn or, or sections of parts or, and to just kind of like build it up, you know, right. is, is, is what I would do. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, but, so, but yeah, Kevin's certainly an, a musician, certainly an amazing guitar player. Um, yeah. But there is, it is difficult for him to communicate his music to other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say that doing it that way is invalid. Exactly. That's totally a way that you can do it. Right, 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 right. You don't right, ever right. have to have a formalized, you know, quote unquote education in whatever field it is. Right. To be able to do some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. I guess like there is an aspect of it too, which is um like can you do it again? Yeah. In music specifically. Because oh, I can do this crazy thing on piano. Well, do it again. And right. you can't. And it's like, well, you you can't really do that like that's like you're not playing that because you're hearing it you're playing that's that more improvisation at that point really it's not even improvisation you're playing that because your muscles are doing that right well yeah i don't know it, it depends probably well what i'm saying is like i can sit at the piano right now and i could probably like fake some things mm-hmm. you know like oh well show me a few chords okay um and I could probably, you know, stumble upon something, you know, or whatever that sounds like an okay improvisation or sounds like some, you know, or like makes you feel something like some avant-garde, whatever, or just some moody, intense yeah. thing. You come across a couple of chords that really work well next to each other. and Right, or an interval or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I would, n- I could not do the same thing twice. On yeah, I, same here for Be- keyboard, for example. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not disciplined in that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just... I'm taking like drum patterns 
<laughs> yes, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just doing them on the keys. I do the same thing. Or, or whatever. <laughs> and so. I was doing the same thing earlier today in that fucking doll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, or, or, or whatever. And I guess I, you know, like there's just. I mean. Yeah. Like there, there there's a. There's a, a vocabulary aspect. There's a shared language aspect mm-hmm. to these things. And when it comes to working with other people, like, okay, cool. Do you want to do this? Do you just want to express yourself? Or do you want to work with other people? Exactly. And if you if you just want to like, oh, well, that sounds like how I feel. Cool. Done. Yeah. Um, then, 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 and if you can do that without help, then fine. Yeah. Then you don't need them. Cool, man. Don't need it. That's all you need. Is- right. To be able to do that for to to your own edification, right, right, yeah. right, right. But when it comes to, well, do you want to make music with other people? Do you want to help them make their music? Now you have to have a shared language. Yeah, because I imagine that's probably where the real, you know, what really separates. It's like, can you come in as a programmer to work on someone else's project? Yeah, and that's probably like where it's like, oh well. If you can do that, then you're you're real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, real, whatever that means. Professional, whatever. I don't know what word you use. Professional is a good good way to say it because, like, you there there are, there are styles that you need to adhere to that 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 some people go by and they're right conventions, stylistic conventions. Yes, right. And I mean that's the exact same stuff that that I'm going through because I have a big band gig tomorrow, and that's the same exact sort of thing. Is that you know for something to say shuffle. And then to have all these random, random ensemble hits and, and markings on it, and for me to contextually know what I should or should not play and mm-hmm. what's going to be stylistically appropriate for the big band idiom, for the subset of that style, you know, while well, I'm playing a shuffle in a big band, you know, because if you're playing a shuffle with like a bass player and a guitar player, or a small group, it's, you know, there's different things that are going to feel appropriate. But when you're doing that in the sense of, a, you know, well, you got like five trumpets and four trombones and five saxes and, you know, there's different, there's different things you need to consider. Yeah. And, and that's really where, you know, having that shared language and all that, all that contextual knowledge, right? Because, Lots of people can fucking play a shuffle. You can look up a fucking thousand videos right now on YouTube on how to play a shuffle. I was just gonna say, yeah. Uh, but you're you're not gonna be able to find a video that says whenever the ensemble rhythm is, but you know, like da ba ga ga inside of a shuffle in a big band. What is an appropriate? What's a what's a, what's what is the appropriate? Um, drum fill for you to play on beats three and four after those last two hits. Yeah. You, you know, you're not going to, like, that only comes from the contextual knowledge of having listened to those styles and being able to use your ears and your musical awareness and intelligence to, like, fill it in and to also be able to shift these things depending on how the group feels. Because if that if the basis plays a little different, then I need to play different, and you know to like, well, what needs to be done to make this group work? Right. Fuck what's written on this page. What's you know, I know this says samba, but or this says this or this says that. That technically means this, but this will work better for this 
situation. Mm-hmm. That, Again, it's contextual, just in a different context. Or a different context. But the, the, that adaptability is like tremendous. Right, and that all comes from language, you know, or you know, like a vocab, a bigger vocabulary, a vocabulary, and then experience, right? Yeah. To to sort of bring all that to bear. Right, right, so, right, and. Yeah. And I don't know if you, I wouldn't be able to have those. There's no, and I guess like that's the thing too. Maybe maybe that's sort of like my my hang up is that there's no way I would have been able to have these, have the experiences I needed without going to college because <laughs> um, I wouldn't have been exposed to enough people to have those opportunities to play this music and to play it badly <laughs> um, and to learn <laughs> from those from those situations had I not been thrown into that. I mean, I imagine that's a difficult situation to find yourself in outside of It really is. That that uh that college setting, right? It, yeah, for sure. I mean you could just be like a kid who's really, really interested in drums and some somehow stumbles across a community big band, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, but that's like the one place. Right. You know, in society. They... And and even then, if you were going to need to get, if you wanted to get good at it, you would have to really have a strong relationship with the drummer. And that drummer himself would need a really strong relationship with the band to be able to allow you to sit in and work, you know what I mean, and have those opportunities and stuff like that. And, you know, that's just... I mean, yeah, if you have an incredible social network and you know people who are doing exactly what you want to do and they have the time to help you learn how to do it, then yeah, fuck college. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. you, you don't need it. Um, if, you're, if you're in that like specifically perfect situation, then fucking go for it. Right, yeah. I want to be a physicist. Well, my dad was a physicist. My mom's a physicist. My grandparents are physicists. <laughs> um, my brother's a physicist. My cousins are physicists. Um, yeah. I guess I'll just go to work with them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't have to go to college. Yeah. Why doesn't everyone want to do that? Oh, my gosh. I've done... <laughs> you use a math handbook for integrals? <laughs> Oh Man, my god! Wait, so when you I meant to say to bring it back around to that, when you mentioned an a an integral integral table, yeah, I, I like got mad. Because, okay, because I remember we did have those in the back of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, and we were able to use them on assignments, but not on exams, like you sure. like you mentioned. And I almost I came close to failing Cal two, um, and I. At the time, I wasn't sure why. I was just like, I must just be bad at this on some level, mm. right? But but over the years, I'm looking back on it. I mean, this was like 2014, 2015. It wasn't that long ago, but uh, I just I think I just didn't have enough time. Mm. I think if I had had another semester of it, I would have got it down pat. I did not. So because I was taking I was taking three other courses at the time, mm-hmm. like like. 4,000 level courses or whatever you want to say. Sure. Like top, top level course. It was my, my second to last or last semester before I graduated. Oh, okay. Oh um, gosh. Yeah, sure. So it was, it was towards the end there and I was working at the time and all this other stuff. Oh yeah. But, and I only had the one semester to do it in and it was only, I think once, maybe twice a week. Mm-hmm. I, I, and looking back, I'm just like, man, if I had, if I had just had more time to deal with this, to like immerse myself in it, I think I could have gotten really good at that. Yeah. I, um, but it was hard as fuck the way that I did it. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, calcul- no matter. There's no way to do Cal two in a way that's not hard as fuck. Sure. Um, and also the way that that course is taught too, it's kind of taught as a weed out course. 
Um, yeah. Plus, off. my professor sucked ass. Oh, God. Well, that, that's three strikes right there, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I so I was sort of a solid, you know, like, because I got a physics degree and a math degree. And I got an A in every physics course that I took um, because I was just really, really interested in it. And it just kind of that stuff kind of clicked for me in high school and I developed a profound interest in it. Nice. And so, um, but math was always hard. Like an uphill battle. Every always, time. always. Math was a thing I did to be able to do the physics. Right. And I, at some point got the idea in my head, like, Oh, well I don't, what's the hardest thing I can imagine doing? Oh, also getting a math degree. Well, I'll do that too. <laughs> Jump in the deep end. Here we Simultaneously, go. the best and worst decision I've ever made. Um, but I was a B, you know, like college algebra, B, trigonometry. I got a C in trigonometry, which is funny because I am awesome at trig. <laughs> I got to be awesome at trig, right? Yeah. Um, Pre-cal, B. Cal 1, B. Cal 2, B. Cal 3, B. You know, Differential equations, A. It took till differential equations for everything to click. Man. You know, so how, you know, that, that's like four years. So I was like on my fourth year of college level math courses. Right, right. You right. know, before it all started to fall into place for me, you know. Yeah. And, but, and really, on it, in a lot of ways, it took me that long to kind of, in a way, like, unlearn the way that I was taught math at Dayton High School. Sure. So, because what I started to understand, because there's a difference between knowing what you're doing and being able to get the right answer most of the time. Right. Because there are so many shortcuts and, and like, rules. Oh, well, the example... Not to say that math isn't rules, but, you know, rules that you're given to solve the problems. Yeah, yeah, all these heuristics and whatnot, you know? Yes. Whereas it's like, oh, well, oh, there's an example that's like this. Let me just one-to-one port this over. There you go. Yeah. But you don't really know why any of that worked. Right. Right? And my, like, sort of, the 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 example that I use, I can't believe I'm fixing to do this, but here we go. <laughs> um Bust out the whiteboard. Yeah. Um, I know there's paper somewhere. Uh, oh, shit. And you have paper? Dude, I, I don't right. know that. Oh, no, I have a notebook somewhere. Um, But, like, the example that I use all the time, talk about this shit, is, like, dividing by fractions. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the difference between, like, two divided by two-thirds you know, versus um, two-thirds divided by two or shit like that. Um, yeah. Because most people, like, I rem- even when I was at Diffie Q, I was just like, well, I'll try one one way or the other, and I got a 50-50 chance of it being right. But you're doing it with these big algebraic equations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because not understanding that fractions are division – and so you're you're because that's the problem with math education is that you're taught so many, you know, keep it, change it, flip it or foil or this or whatever yeah. that 
it's hard to determine the difference between those things and, and things that are like actual, like fundamental, like this does not change. Right. And so one of those things is like fractions are division and to, you know, when you're dividing by a fraction, you multiply by its reciprocal. Right. And so that's like your fundamental thing. So if you port that over to this, then you never get it. You, you never get it wrong. If you put it in those terms, I, this is a thing that, that I would teach kids in the, when I was a professor, I would teach them this and emphasize this to them in the very first, the, when I would occasionally teach the rudimentary, um, algebra, because there were three levels of like the transitional algebra courses, you know, the catch up courses. Yeah. Okay. Um, I forget what they were all called. Like I think I think I went back when I went back to college. I took intermediate algebra. Right, right, right. And, the, and that was like the last. That was the the third before one. college algebra. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. If you took intermediate algebra, then like. Right, because it was like remedial or whatever it was called. Whatever it was. Yeah. 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 And so, but point is, at the very most fundamental one, mo, you know what I mean? I would be teaching this concept, but yet I did not really understand this concept until right. I was in. Motherfucking differential equations. I don't. I still don't really understand the concept. You know? Well, I just explain it to you. Of, well, no, of why you do this. <laughs> what do you mean? Why does multiplying by the reciprocal? Oh. I, I don't remember. I, maybe I knew it at some point, but when you're doing that, I'm like, I know how to do that. I don't really know why I should be doing gotcha. that. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I probably have a good answer for it, but uh, I haven't taught. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't professored in a while, right. so it's not. Uh, well, next at time my, at my fingertips, we'll get the whiteboard in here next time and, and really get into it. Right. But there was a lot of ambiguity there as far as like, what is a, that, that, that I was frustrated with when I was a professor, um, you know, and whatnot, because I was sort of understanding that, okay, well, sorry, I'm, I'm saying two things at the same time. When I was a student understanding that, oh, I wasn't really taught what mathematics was in high school. Right. I was taught how to get the right answer. Yep. And that's not what math is about. That's not what mathematics is about. Yep. And so, but the, and then also sort of realizing that, oh, because I fell in love with physics and mathematics, you know, because I, I saw them as beautiful. And to understand that, that, I don't have a job. The reason I had a job as a math professor was not because society thinks that those disciplines are beautiful the way that I think they're beautiful and that they're valuable and useful to teach. The reason that I had a job as a math teacher at high school or as a professor, math professor, was because this is an effective way to teach people how to follow instructions. Mm. And Aww. that's really useful in yeah. in our post-industrial society yeah um <laughs> i was like oh shit <laughs> um you know but then but bringing it back around to the you know when i would get i really was able to sort of parse out these details when i was a professor and start to like understand that okay yeah like it's really difficult when you're given so many. All right, like there's a difference between tricks and 
rules, mm-hmm. you know, or fundamentals. Yeah, fundamentals, yeah. You know, like, no, this is fundamentally true. It is true now. It is always true. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if this equation changes. It doesn't matter if we go to the next chapter in the book. Because <laughs> I remember that's how I felt, you know, like learning mathematics. It always felt like, all right, these, okay, well, how do I do these? Right. Oh, okay. This is. You you need to learn new tricks to be able to get these to work. Okay. Chapter seven. Well, how do I do these? You know, and, and yeah. you don't, it's, it's, it was hard to know like, oh no, no, no. This thing I'm telling you right now is, is capital T true, always true, you know? So, yeah. but yeah, man, math cast, math cast. I dig it. I don't give a fuck who else does. That's, that's a good approach. That's a good approach. Um, yeah, uh, I guess that's I guess that's a probably a good a good segue. I don't I mean not segue, but I don't know, man. We're I don't. <laughs> there's uh, yeah. not a segue there. There's not really a segue there. That was just uh, um, interesting talking, and, and and then I'm looking at these CDs over here. These CD, yeah, um, yeah, you know, variables A B. Oh, here I got a segue. <laughs> um, so. Um, in many ways, it feel as feels as though the world is burning down around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I your th- eyes are burning. Yeah, perhaps your eyes are burning, uh-huh. and perhaps okay. even um, Rob Flynn felt similarly living in California amidst the the, the L.A. riots um, and whatnot right. when he wrote the record "Burn My Eyes." Mm-hmm. You know. Um, oh, that, that cover's so goofy. And real eyes, real eyes, real eyes, and all these things. I really like that that phrase, that title. It's amazing. It's so clever. It's great. <laughs> it's he, so good. I read a thing about it, and he said that he used to see, he saw it like graffitied. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a classic graffiti. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, really good. So anyway, what we had, but um, yeah, 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 so... Yeah, I, I don't really want to talk about current events because it depresses me and makes me feel hopeless for the future. And I don't really have a... Um, That's where we're at. I have a lot of feelings about it, but I don't feel like I can articulate them in a useful way. Um, but yeah, more more, more abortion stuff, formula shortage, you know. Yeah. Sh- racially motivated terrorist... White, you know, white white terrorist in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That shit's real. Like that shit's. There's a precedent for that stuff. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah. And and people aren't being held accountable for the for the for the bullshit that they're putting out in the world. Nope. Um, and well, and, I mean, you know what they say. The more things change, <laughs> the more they stay the same. So, but anyway, I just want to comment on that because I would feel kind of irresponsible if I didn't. But I don't have my thoughts organized well enough to say anything. Maybe well, I will at some point. Number one, I hope people don't come to this podcast for current events news uh, for two reasons. Number one, we are not experts. Number two, this isn't going to come out for like three more months. <laughs> that, that might not so. be true. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> you're you're like I challenge you. I might be shocked. Richard. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we if we just need to have more people cancel, and we'll get there real soon. 
Um, you know who you are. You know who you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So so. Okay, cool, man. Fucking machine head, right? <clears throat> Burn my eyes. So we're so we're gonna talk about. It's gonna be May Machine Head. We're gonna try to talk about Machine Head here in the month of May. Um, as much as we can squeeze in. Yeah, as much as we can squeeze in. So. Machine Head is both one of both of our like favorite bands. Um, I I feel like that's objectively true. Machine Head is probably my favorite band that I really don't care about like half of their catalog. Interesting. All that okay. much. But the half I, I, that I you do care about. I could kind of do with or without it. Okay. But let's say. I see. Um, but the half that I do care about is like some of my favorite music. Gotcha. Period. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I guess I maybe the way to say it is that it is it is one of the favorite bands that we share. Yeah. That that carried on past sort of high school, college on into adulthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I think it, they might be the band that I've seen the most also. Cuz I've drugged your ass to their concerts the most. <laughs> I mean, I went willingly. <laughs> it's not getting twisted. <laughs> um I fucking love seeing Machine Head. Yeah, yeah. Even if they play five songs, it's like it's still like forty five minutes, and it's amazing. It's like <laughs> you the, so the the. Do you remember when we saw up in Dallas, mm-hmm. and they were playing? I was so I was so. Because this was when the blackening was about to come out, and so they were not. <clears throat> they were on their way back up. They were they were they were going up the back up the chain yes. after having fallen, so to speak. And so they were playing before Trivium. Like, mm-hmm. it, what a, what a, man, that lineup of that concert makes no sense right now. Machine Head, Trivium, Lamb of God. Do you know who opened? I don't remember. Gojira. Did we miss them? No, we did not. Did... Okay. Because we saw them and I was like, man. Yeah, I was like, that band is fucking good. <laughs> um, Fuck. And I was like, we're going to do that. <laughs> you know? What, what year was that? Do you... It was, oh, I... 2007? It was 06 or 07. Okay. That feels about right. Yeah. Oh, the oh, Blackening was about to come out, so... That it was 07, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, like... Um, Sorry. But yeah, so Machine Head played like a 30 minute set or some shit like that. Maybe like a 25 minute set. I think it was probably, tw- yeah, closer to 25. So they open with like Clenching the Fist of Descent, which is like a 10 minute song that no one has ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then they oh, played man. like Aesthetics of Hate. And then I think they played Old and like. I want to say they played Halo. They didn't, they definitely did not play Halo. Okay. Because they like hated recording that song. It was such a pain to record it and get it around the blank. They're like, we're never playing that song ever again. And then it turned out people really loved it. Yeah. And, and they started they started playing it when they did the tour with. Like, uh, I know I've heard him play it a number of times. Oh, yeah. Now, now they close their shows with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, man, that set list. But but the point is that set was really short. They might have. It was like, an extremely short, tight, but like sprawling. Somehow. Set. Right. Yeah. I want to say they had Imperium in there, too. Maybe. Um, I don't know, but we'll we'll double check it when we get to that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I was just beside myself that they played before Trivium. Um, I was angry. Yeah. At the time. So. I, I mean, at the time, I was also like, I was probably also like, fuck Trivium to some extent because I never liked Trivium. Me neither. But 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 I like Matt Heafy. He seems like a nice guy. He seems like yeah. a cool dude. Yeah. So. I don't. I got nothing to say bad about Trivium. Same. So. Uh, I think the reason I, I had a chip on my shoulder against them is because Roadrunner was real excited about them. I remember them being extremely hyped up. Yeah. Uh, as like the next big metal thing. Right. And it so. and, and I remember seeing an interview that he was like, well, the first Pantera record I heard was 101 Proof. And I was like, ha! <laughs> ha! Why am I paying to see you? Was, I was... But what's his favorite song... Uh, where you come from? <laughs> so we got a then we got a winner good. on our hands. Then we're good. I'm backing that horse. So, but yeah, we've seen Machine Head. To, just the Machine Head shows we've seen together, together is like four or five, probably. Maybe, okay, so maybe right, more. Here we go. If you know it, I don't fucking. So there was that. Then I saw them with uh, opening for Heaven and Hell mm. and Megadeth. I don't think you were at that mm. one. No. Um. Then they. Then I saw them at the Meridian. Co-headlining with Arch Enemy. I was there for that one. Okay, you were there yeah. for that one. Um, then Mayhem Festival. I was there for that one. You were there for that one. I think that was 2009, Some. 10, somewhere in there. Um, and so then and Dallas. Well, that was the first one. Oh, that was, that was the first one? That was the first one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then... Um, then I saw them like at House of Blues with Death Clock and House of Blues with Suicide Silence. Damn. That's a little vague. And then I saw them at Fitzgerald's. That was the first time they did the evening with, and that was one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. You and Jet? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That show was- That was was a fucking awesome show. That was- Oh my God. They played upstairs and it was so packed. And it was so amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. And then I saw them at House of Blues again for the first leg of the Evening With tour for Catharsis. Mm. And then you and me and Jet went to Austin to see them for like the last ride of like Phil of uh, Phil and Dave. <laughs> the last ride of Phil and Dave. Yeah. yeah. And then I saw them again when they did the Burmese reunion tour. Oh, yeah. So I guess I've seen them 10 times. And I think that you were so. I guess like I've seen five or six of those. Yeah, I think you were at like six or seven of those. Okay, definitely the band I've seen the most. Then. Yeah. 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 So. And every single every single show was fantastic. There was never a bad. Oh God, yeah. Never a bad moment in those in those shows. So. Which of these two records did you hear first? Burn my eyes. Okay, I heard the more things change first. That was that was what I thought. I, I remember that being the case. And so this is this is um. It's very, it's really interesting and difficult, my sort of, how all the, my opinions about this are all mixed up. Okay. You know? So, so when did you first hear this record? I want to say that, uh, I've mentioned before here where I've, um, there were times when I would like borrow albums from my uncles. Because mm-hmm. one, one of my uncles had a huge CD collection, tons of metal that I was always very interested in. And I think this is one of the ones that I borrowed at some point. So maybe like mid 90s like probably right probably pretty soon after it came out 
Okay, wow. Maybe not too too long. Maybe like mid to late nineties, something like okay. that. Okay. Wow. So yeah. So way so way before I you heard Machine Head way before I did. Then. I, I had I definitely heard this before I heard before the Burning Red was a thing. Okay. Because like when that single came when when fuck whatever anyway whenever that album was coming out I knew who Machine Head was. Sure. So sure, sure, sure. yeah. I bought the More Things Change when it was new. So ninety seven. Seven. Okay. Ninety seven. And so yes, I just looked at it. And yeah, I yeah, I, I so I bought this when it was when when it came out, like within a few weeks of it coming out, you know, because I don't know, I saw ads and I was like, oh well, I've been meaning, I hear about this band all the time, I need to check them out. Oh fuck it, I'll buy this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I bought it, and this 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 record was life changing. Ten Ton Hammer, just that song itself. That was like, oh, I'm a different person now. <laughs> I have a whole different set of values. <laughs> um. <laughs> and uh so man this is i don't know where to start right okay fuck it's so difficult here's to, a question yeah maybe um maybe it's not pertinent yet but earlier today you asked me to listen to a few songs yes is that pertinent now or would you like to 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 because i don't know why you asked me to listen to these songs okay so or or do you want to dig into that later? All right. Um okay, I think this is what I want to say in general at first. Okay. Because I want to put these I want to put these in sort of my experience and probably how maybe a lot of people our age experienced Machine Head or, or I don't know, or, or whatever, fuck it. I don't know how everyone else did, but I can tell you how I experienced <laughs> okay. it. Okay. So, I heard this this I heard this record, The More Things Change. I think that makes me a bit of a weirdo. Because I think most people heard "Burn My Eyes" first, and most people judge the more things change as how it compares to "Burn My Eyes." I do, and I do the opposite. Okay, and that so, makes sense. And so, whereas, so to so, but th- I think the reason that the more things change was so special to me was because it was groovy as hell. It was aggressive. It had double bass in it. <laughs> um. That they were really good songs, okay. Like there was good songwriting, there was melody, there was hooks, um, and it still used enough of that like traditional metal vocabulary and everything. But it still was like groovy enough to where it still like I could. It still felt like new metal in Mm. a lot of like it was groove. You know what I mean? So it just it just felt like oh, this is the heaviest new metal. Yeah, because I mean they kind of they. In the same way that Pantera sort of defined metal in a, in a certain way, so did Machine Head. In the 90s, yeah. For years to come. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, and there's like such a, I'm going to re- be repeating myself, but fuck it, man. It's here. It's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> there was like such a, a fury and an intensity on this record. Interesting. <laughs> that to me, like burn my eyes would felt like a sterile version of the more things change. <laughs> Yo, I'm about, to, I'm about to, well, I was going to put my leg up, but I kicked the chair out from under myself. Uh, I could not have an exact opposite opinion any more than I do. How funny. Yeah. The, the, this burn my eyes is full of energy that this album completely lacks. Oh my God. There's absolutely I, this out. Al- I mean, I'm not going to talk shit on this album cause I like it. 
but compared to Burn My Eyes, it is, it is, I would, I, I could easily just leave this and take Oh this. my God. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, we the, have, the, most, the, most, the most divisive conversation yet. <laughs> we have never had, we have never been more at odds. <laughs> um, okay. So, so, yeah, more. Okay, but but yeah, like so that that was what I like wanted to I wanted to establish that reference frame because I got burn my eyes after this, right? Right. And it and it's 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 never a record that I disliked, right? You know what I mean? I've always liked it. I've I've known the songs on it for you know because I listened to the fuck out of it. I've even when I got it in you know not too because I was like this is amazing, give me more, right? right? So I listened to this, but um. But I don't have the relationship with this, with Burma Eyes, that I have with The More Things Change. Do, do you think that's more of a nostalgia thing or just? It might be like, it might just be that this hit me so early that I just like took it as it is. And it's like. It's just like so formative. that Right. Um, or it just might. I don't know, man. This might just be for you more than the other one is. It just. There's some special shit on here that that really does it for me. Um, but like when I go back and I, um, but yeah, it, it, but anyway, so I never, I, I just want to be clear. Like I never like thought Burmese was a bad record or anything like that. Yeah, I always sure. thought it was amazing, but I never had the emotional connection with it, just, it. Yeah, it just never hit you in the same way as more things change. Well, and I also, I wonder if it's part of the lyrics too, because I really feel a lot of the lyrics on the more things change that I don't, I think the lyrics on both of these are amazing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, um, the lyrics on Burma eyes are not as personal. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but like, you know, there's stuff on here that is a little more personal that like, that it was, just I just I really related to this record, you know. Gotcha. Um so so yeah, so the reason so okay, I wanna this is gonna be a way tangent. Okay. Let's go. There's because Machine Head is such an interesting band because they really straddle the sort of old guard of thrash metal and new metal. Yeah, so like, so they came up in the like late 80s early 90s in San Francisco right. Bay Area thrash metal scene in violence. Yeah. And so Phil and Rob both played in violence. Phil wouldn't rejoin wouldn't join Machine until like 2003 with Through the Ashes, but right. but Rob came up in that, you know, in that thrash metal scene, you know, going to see Metallica and Slayer and Death Angel and Testament at Ruthie's Inn. Yeah, when they were like local. Exactly. Acts, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And so to kind of put some of these things in perspective, I went and I looked up a bunch of, you know, prominent metal rock stars ages. Okay. Yeah. To sort of yes. relate these things, right? Because you think about like these generations, right? And you think about like, okay, well, Metallica was famous. Their first records in '83, and they're touring the world and doing their stuff. You know, Machine Head's record isn't in, isn't debut record isn't until 11 years after that, right? 
you know, Pantera's major release isn't, you know, is seven years after that. So Metallica must, those guys must be like 10 years older than all those guys. Right. You know, so, um, <clears throat> one would think, and then you, you know, so, so here's, here's some interesting things. So like, I'm just going to like give you like the, I'm not going to like list off the ages. Right. Okay. okay but so like, I, I was like, okay, well, Rob, Dave McClain, John Davis, Fred Durst, Rob Zombie, James Hetfield, Dimebag, Vinny, Phil, um, Corey Taylor, Clown, Randy Blythe, Gene Hoagland, Dino, and Carl Sanders. Carl Sanders is the guitarist in Nile. Okay. That's like just, I was just curious. So that one's in okay. there too. Like Colonel Sanders? Yeah, I know. That's what everyone Carl says. Sanders. Okay. Gotcha. So here's some interesting things. Okay. Um, Fred Durst, Jonathan Davis, and Randy Blythe are all the same age. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which feels pretty weird. Pretty weird because Lamb of God wasn't famous until like a decade after those guys were. Yeah. Right. Um, but that means that like Jonathan Davis and Fred, like Jonathan Davis were in Fredos were like in their early 20s when when shit was popping off for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Phil Clown, Sean Crayon from Slipknot and Rob Flynn are all are almost the same age. All three of those dudes. Okay. So Phil is like 53. Uh, Rob is 54. So Rob Flynn's actually older than Phil Anselmo. Which feels really, which to me feels like a little mm. bit counter. And it's like, wait, what do you mean? You know? Um, On the one hand, I like knowing when they put out their music, I guess so. But like, Somehow, Phil always felt like more immature, like more of a child than Rob Flynn ever did to me. <laughs> That's fair. Not necessarily but like just you... like he acted like a child or whatever, but Rob Flynn always just felt like a man, an older dude somehow. I mean, but you probably didn't feel that way in fucking 1990. You know, when you I like fucking when... know Rob Flynn's name in 1990. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, okay, and here's some other, here, here's two more sort of interesting things, okay? okay. Rob, Rob Zombie, James Hetfield, Vinnie Paul, and Carl Sanders are all the same age. Say that again? So, so Rob Zombie and James Hetfield and Vinnie Paul and Carl Sanders the, are all the same age. <laughs> all those motherfuckers, well, you know, rest of soul would be, you know, 58. Right. Okay. Vinny yeah. and Vinny Paul and James Hetfield were the same fucking age, wow. and Rob Zombie. It, right. <sighs> Isn't that weird? That feels bad. Isn't somehow. that interesting? That doesn't make me feel any older. That just feels wrong and bad. <laughs> and so, and here's another interesting one. But I mean, yeah. So Metallica got famous when they were like 18, 19. Yeah. When James and Lars were so yeah super young. Right. Um. And, and and Dimebag and Dino are the same age. Okay, that, that's fine. Right, that feels all right. But and but then like and again to like put this in perspective though. Okay, um, so James Hetfield's fifty eight. Dimebag would be fifty six. So they're super close. <laughs> yeah. In age, and Rob is fifty four. So like. Rob is only four years younger than James Hetfield, 
but his debut record that we know him for, right, that he is still associated with, came out 11 years later. Sure. You know what I mean? So, like, there's... I feel like that's something really interesting that that sort of really highlights, you know, how different, you know, like how unique Machine has Machine Head is in all this because it's a lot of times you think of Machine Head as contemporaries with Corn because Corn's debut record came out in '94 also, but those guys were young, you know, like three years younger. I get, man. I mean, you say that, but like I. Those do not live next to each other in my head. But they did in the 90s. But they did. They absolutely did. They did in the 90s. They, they don't now because right. because of the second movement of Machine Head's career. One of the weirdest things to be, well, well, we'll get to more of this in a little while, but a weird thing to me about Burn My Eyes is that it feels like it should have come out earlier than it did. It feels like an album. Every time I think about this album, I'm like, it came out in '92. Hmm. Of course it did. But no, it came out in '94. It was recorded in '93, hmm. a full year almost before it came out. Oh, okay, which I didn't know until like the other day. I didn't, I didn't know that until now. So everything they did on here, they did in like '93. That's amazing. Like, but talking about like where the fact that Rob Flynn was older than you might expect when they did this album, and some of these guys on here. Mm-hmm. probably had a lot more of experience. I think that shows. Absolutely. Like, one of the things that I want to say about this album, I've listened to it a few times over the last few days, uh, and I've listened to this album so many times over the years, but one of the things that stuck, I haven't listened to it in a little while. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really jumped out at me was this album to me feels like it was 10, 15 years ahead of its time. It's objectively one of the best metal records ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but but like the production and like how confident they sounded and the the things that they were doing like this does not sound like it came out in 1994 to me. I think it's be- in, like we mentioned this in the podcast that we where we talked about Pink Floyd right with Shay and uh-huh. he talked about like electronic drums and stuff sounding dated. Right, right, right. And I was like, what makes something sound dated is if people stop doing it. This album defined modern metal production. It really did. It sounds, it could have come out the other day. Yeah. For all I care. And people be like, this is an amazing sound record. It sounds so good. It has triggered kick drums. It has triggered kicks. Okay. Right. Which I've heard Rob talk about like, like that took like three days to get the trigger working right. (laughs) Wow. Some, I don't know if that's exactly, but some crazy shit. Like it took an inordinate amount of time. It was a problem. It was a problem. That had to be solved. To solve, yes. Um, And, you know, for for instance, you know, but like this is, and I feel like this record in so many ways is, so you have vulgar display of power, right? Uh (laughs) Which is, I feel like the, the first like gauntlet throwdown of modern metal production, right? Yes. But, um, how the fuck are you going to make a record sound like that? If you're not Don Vinny Rex and Phil, <laughs> right? Right. How the fuck are you going to do that? Cause no one is Don Vinny Fex, Fex, 
dime. Facts and real. Yeah, facts and real. No one is those guys. Um, no one plays how those guys play. And again, why does no one play how those guys play? Because no one has the vocabulary they have because they're fucking older and weirder trying to play, trying to find their voice in this music in this time. Vinny doesn't have a death metal drumming skill set. He does, you know, he doesn't have, he didn't grow up listening to Dave Lombardo. He grew up listening to Tommy Aldridge. Mm -hmm. And so the way that he makes heavy and crazy happen is literally different than how every other fucking metal drummer does it. Right. You know what I mean? Dimebag didn't grow up listening to Carrie King. He grew up listening to like Eddie Van Halen and Ace Frehley and then like is on a the same path, the same like parallel path that James had that the whole thrash movement is along, right. but he's along it like independently in Dallas on his own having this whole other different parallel path that ends up that like doesn't pop up until 10 years down the road. Right. You know? So you can't, it doesn't matter how amazing vulgar is. No one else could fucking replicate that. But this though, this is like the everyman's production Bible, you know, like the everyman's every met the every man metal musician production Bible. I'm like, you can achieve this. It really is. You know. Yeah. Like the, the, the sound of this record is is the sound of metal going forward it, a decade, a decade and a half. Absolutely. And 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 I, I've heard people talk about like, you know, when they would be mixing records in like the nineties, like the mid-nineties, like, you know, on forward that 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 Burma Eyes and Vulgar were the two those were the two they would those were their two comparisons. <sighs> Man. Like, all right, well, okay, this is our mix. Okay, well, all right, let's compare it to Burma Eyes. <laughs> let's compare it to Volger. You know what I mean? Doesn't, doesn't sound quite right. All right, turn up the turn up the Burn My Eyes uh, fader some more. Uh, not, <laughs> not quite there. Turn up the Volger fader a little bit more. Right. Uh, yeah. Right, right, right. Like those were the two sort of, and I think especially this one because I think this is sonically a better sounding record than Volger. I think. It's, I think, I think so it's too. more full. I think so too. You know, yeah, uh, across that's the thing across the board, like. Vulgar is an amazing Pantera record, mm -hmm. amazing sounding Pantera record. Right. Pantera sounds amazing on that record. Right. But metal sounds amazing <laughs> on this album. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's, that's the end of the show. <laughs> like there, there are uh, there are so many different things that are done that that are being done on here that so many other bands do going forward. Right. But, but like one of the craziest things that shines through on the production of this album is experience. Like they, they do things here that like, I know they didn't invent a lot of shit for this. What do you mean? It seems like they brought a lot of things together to make it work. Fair enough. In, in a certain way, like I don't, I don't, because Colin Richardson produced this. I, yeah. I, I don't think that he or Machine Head were like studio avant-garde wizards, and and somehow like willed this weird magic into being. I think they just knew what the fuck they were doing with the band that they had to make it sound really good. But the way that they did it was in such a way that, like you said, it was like an every man's metal. It was like a way that can be replicated. You know right. what I mean? Like they didn't invent yep. a new way to record for this. Right. It wasn't like uh what are you talking about? What what's your boy? Boston. That guy. Y yeah, Tom Schultz. Like, yeah. 
wiring his own pedals to get the sounds he wants. Right. It was not that. Right. Exactly. It was not that. And and I, you know, and I think that there is, I didn't dig into it, but I think like when you look, there's some really interesting things in Colin Richards Richardson's, um, you know, his credentials leading up to this and the things that he had done. And, and so, and I'm not exactly sure what the confluence of factors were. Yeah. Um, but so, and then a, a, another big aspect too, I think, is that, you know, Rob had already recorded two full length records and been in a band and toured, right. you know, two full length records and an EP with, with violence. Right. And so, so there's a lot of experience there. Yeah. Like I get the impression they came in knew, knowing what they wanted sure. in a lot of cases. Sure. And so something that like, cause I remember when we like that experience of hearing like through the ashes of empires and like hearing like Imperium for the first time. And you're like, Holy fuck. Like Rob can riff. Dude, that was you like know? a whole, like a whole other dimension opened up with right. when that song fucking happens. And or then, like, and especially like the blackening here, like a sex of hate and all sorts. I was like, like I didn't know these guys. I didn't know Rob could do this, and this is what's fascinating to me. He, he could. He's been able to do that. He had been able to do that shit for at least for twenty years at the time that we had heard that. Maybe not quite twenty, but like since eighty eight, when yeah. when the first Violence record came out. Do you know what I mean? And so what that means is that the riffs on this record, the style of guitar playing on this record is a deliberate, creative decision right. and the result of Rob's vision. Yeah. And yeah. uh, you know what I mean? And that fucking wow. <laughs> yeah, because like saying that it's like every man's metal is like a great way to say it because it, it is simplified in a way, but it's streamlined and it's extremely effective. A few years ago, I sat down with the tabs and like learned most of the guitar riffs on this record. I am not a guitar player. It's not super, super technical, right? Like it's not, you, you need to learn how to do natural harmonics and that's kind of it. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. but it's all like so groovy and so powerful and so effective. And knowing that 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 Rob is like choosing to play, you know, do 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 when he can go and like and he's got all those Exodus fucking chops. Right. You know, man? Because goddamn, fuck that guitar that guitar playing. Jesus Christ. Um, Gary Holt. Fucking shit. Um and so like that is I don't know, man. It just it says so much to me about how clear the vision was. And I don't know where the lines blur between that being Rob's vision and that being the shared vision of the other guys in the band. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I bet we probably, you probably asked the four of them and you probably get four different answers. Probably. I, I um, would, if I had to bet, I would, I would say that it's safe to say that Rob had a, a outsized influence in that, but who knows? Right. So that, that, that's sort of, that's a good place to sort of, so I, the, the, I, I sent you some songs today. Okay. To listen to. Yes. 
Um, they were they were Refuse, Resist, and Territory by Sepultura, which mm-hmm. are from Chaos AD, yeah, which was ninety two. And then there, uh, okay, well, the title said two, so I don't did know. it, yeah. Uh, okay, and then let me double check. Okay, go ahead. And then there was, uh, fuck, I don't remember the name of the songs from Martyr Sol- and Scapegoat from Soul of a New Machine by Fear Factory, which was also 92. Uh, so I have it that... Um, or at least that's what title said. That Chaos AD was released in September 2nd, 1993. Well, I'm going to believe that. Okay. So what, well, so what about Soul of a New Machine? What that's was, 92. Uh, okay, that was 92. Definitely 92. Okay. Um, so, so I don't know why you sent me these tracks in specific. So... I, I had a takeaway from this. So yeah, tell me what your takeaway may be was. extremely separate from what you were going to say. Yeah, but, let's see, let's hear what that is. Uh, it it just puts into stark contrast even more how like out of time this album sounds, production wise. Absolutely, because absolutely, those kind sure. of sound like shit in comparison to this. Definitely, uh, they sound they still sound cool for what they are. Oh yeah, but this sounds leagues ahead. Like this sounds so much fucking better than those. Absolutely, and that that's not that's not. What the what I was gonna try and say, okay. but that is definitely true. That was my initial big takeaway. Of course, so like my sort of armchair speculation is that Rob heard the production on Vulgar, like when it came out. Okay. In like February of 1992, okay, and then in August of 92, he heard the riffing on Soul of a New Machine. Okay. And it was like, God damn it. <laughs> Okay, thrash is fucking dead. <laughs> and then he hears like the riffage and like kind of the songwriting and some of the vibe on Chaos AD, and is like, "All right, I need like these kind of grooves and these kind of riffs and that production." <laughs> okay, to get like yeah. turn my eyes because okay. because I I feel like that. Like you know, like that that you hear in like scapegoat. I think is the song, um, the Fear Factory song, you know. But that kind of riffage, and then like that, like that's you definitely have that kind of riffage on, or that that kind of like aesthetic in the guitar on Burn My Eyes. But I guess it's I think I guess. Chaos ID is still in standard, or maybe drop D. Um, yeah, one of the two. And then this record's in some weird ass tuning. I think it's maybe like a step down, maybe a step and a half down. Yeah, I think it's in like drop, step step and a half down, drop D probably. Because I think they play in drop at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that then they like drop like the they drop like another string. They do a really weird hmm. tuning. Um, like like the like the G string or something, they drop it like a half step or something Maybe. as well. Um, I don't know. There's something. There's some. There's some goof. It's some goof tuning that they do <laughs> okay. on this record. Goof tunes. But uh, but yeah, that's why I sent you those because okay. I and and I, and I feel like that's the real genius also of this record is that it sort of it it it's genius in the elements that it combines. Right. Yeah. Um. So let me. Motherfucker. <clears throat> I wrote so much. Um. Let me try to. And and 
in terms of like thrash being dead, there is absolutely some thrash on here. Yes. Um. In, in and I think it's used extremely effectively, because something that happens on this album is about halfway through, a couple of songs start slowing down a bit more, mm-hmm. and they get into some more drawn out, like uh, Death Church. And... You got you got, uh, De- I think Death Church and. Race to Overcome, I think, Death Church, definitely, and then the first half of Nation on Fire, mm-hmm. for sure. It's like you, you're sort of a lull, but it's kind of a groovy mm-hmm. midpoint in the album because it, it opens extremely strong, Davidian Old, Thousand Lies, um, and then you get to the end of Nation on Fire, and it's fucking balls to the wall. Right. And then into Blood for Blood, which is even more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking incredible. Fucking incredible. And so that is the thing, is that, um, yeah, the thing that makes it, the, the, the thing that's extremely unique about the first Machine Head record is that it somehow takes cues from hardcore, hip-hop, thrash metal, and groove metal, but uses them to make something truly unique and authentic. It's almost as if they're they're not true influences on the sound, but they are informing the sound. Um, so it it's like it's not like it feels like an like it's it's an it's an authentic almost fusion record, in a sense, to where it's like oh well that motherfucker has clearly learned Slayer, or has clearly <laughs> listened to Slayer and clearly loves Slayer. But this doesn't sound like Slayer, right? They're, like know? they're not trying to play parts like their influences, right? But you can still like informed is a good yeah yeah yeah. Like I I kind of feel like that's how sort of how like the first Slipknot record was too. Like it didn't really sound like anyone else, right? But you could hear like you guys probably know how to do other things than what you're doing, right? <laughs> oh, you like Morbid Angel, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and, and shit, you know, shit like that. Like, I bet you know all the words to some Pantera tracks off Far Beyond Driven. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, sh- shit, shit like that mm-hmm. is is sort of, you know, how how I feel ab- ab- about it here. You know, and the um, and like this, the just the guitar playing in general, on uh, um, burn my eyes. Like we were saying, you know, um, because. Yeah. Anyway, no, I kind of already said that. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, like this, this, this idea that that Rob made this deliberate decision to like write these groovy, simple riffs, you know, and not like when he had the chops to throw in all the crazy shit, and that is like so counter to how most metal music is written. Yeah. Like most metal music is like, well, man, what's the fucking hardest thing I can play? Like, how can, because that's what makes it good. <laughs> it, that, you know, and or, so. Or, or there's like a, there's a perception that, that more is more extreme. Yeah, like more. Right, 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 right. And so for him or, or them or whatever to sort of have that clarity to, to sort of like, you know, all right, that's not. I'm trying to say something else. Yeah, like the I think this record is is very extreme, it, especially for the time, especially for 1994, uh, but in a different way than you might 
traditionally think of extreme metal being extreme and it's in the energy that it has i I think this album is like intensely energetic Mm -hmm. in a way that just most albums are not i i don't disagree i think it's ridiculous uh in in parts like especially the ones that i outlined or like it it starts off all right and then there's a lull and then it hits that fucking that that third of the of the quarters of it basically Mm mm-hmm and it just it just punches you in the face over and over again, um, but but throughout there's there's like an immediacy and and just an undeniable energy to it. That yeah, I just love. I it, it's undeniable. It's absolutely undeniable. Uh, but <clears throat> it, it's 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 intense in a way that for sure that that's the sort that's the sort of extreme I can get behind. I, I guess is what I'm I saying. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that does something for me. Right, right, right. And it, it, I guess another thing that's really fascinating to me too about this is that you sort of have, there's a big fork in the road with thrash metal, with the evolution of, of really metal or extreme metal or whatever, whatever you want to call it, metal that kids are listening to. Okay. Um, or, you know, of the day. Kids bought metal. Yeah. That, that happens there in like the, you know, in starts to happen in the nineties and it sort of becomes codified in 94. Um, but, and that's like, all right, well does thrash, if you're, you know, like, do you, do you double down on like, and go more extreme and do you become death metal or black metal, you know? Um, or do you become groove metal? Right. And those are two, those are kind of incompatible. At that time, do you know, now you have bands like Gojira that are like, well, no, man, we're like, we're like grooving to death metal, you know, <laughs> um, right. and, and, and whatnot. Well, well, like at the time, they were sort of like new things. So it, it was a bit, it was prob- well, probably, I don't know, it was probably a bit more difficult to see them and integrate them. Whereas, well, like, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do this. Well, and it's like to me, like, th- like death metal is like, I mean, death metal in its traditional sense is a very like next logical step from thrash metal. Um, I mean, like, like we mentioned earlier, Carl Sanders, Car- Carl Sanders of Nile. I keep thinking you're gonna say Carl Sagan. <laughs> <laughs> um, pale blue Nile. Papa Carl of Nile. <laughs> okay. What, you know, like he was in some like, you know, thrash metal band all throughout the fucking, you know, some like local thrash metal band doing all sorts of shit. And then and then, you know, gets in de- involved in death metal and blah, 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 you know. And so there's like a natural, you know, kind of trajectory that, cre- you know, and, and whatnot. And so. That like. Anyway. Machine Head or like Rob chose this way, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, an, it's just an interesting thing. Cause oh yeah, cause you were talking about things being extreme. Yeah. Right. And like there are certainly like I was uh, earlier today I was listening to a lot of uh, Suffocation, nineteen ninety one, Effigy of the Forgotten, extremely intense, extremely, you know, brutal, extreme record or whatever especially for the time, blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's very, it's, it's trying to do a very different thing than this is doing. 
Do you know what I mean? And so, um, I, yeah, I like I have a hard time when I say extreme. I have a very hard time quantifying what strikes me as being so intense and extreme about this mm-hmm. versus something that is faster or plays more notes or screams louder. Right. Or the lyrics are more intelligible or the, or it's more obtuse or more, you know? Yeah. 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 But all I can, all I can, the only thing that I can say is like, there's, there's an energy to it that so many albums just don't have. Yeah. Despite being all of those other things, despite being faster and more and, for sure, for you sure, know. for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's an authenticity. There's like a magic in the bottle quality to, mm. to this record. It almost sort of feels like you know you have the right musicians at the right time with the right songs and the right studio and the right budget and the right yeah. and then the right label and the right A and R and the right and then the right sort of cultural moment where people are ready to hear it. Sure. You know, because yeah. think about that too, man. You you heard fucking Vulgar play a power at ninety two, and you're like, this is fucking the shit. And then you hear like Solomon Shimon, like this is cool. <laughs> and then you hear like, you know, fucking Chaos AD, and you're like, this is fucking this, this is cool. You know. And then you hear Far Beyond Driven in like you know early spring of fucking ninety four, and you're like, yes, <laughs> like you know another thing that touches that production level yeah. of Vulgar, right? But you don't. But you don't have anything else until August, and and this this definitely you you can put this toe to toe with vulgar, far beyond driven, and Burmese. Like you can put those three in the same fucking conversation, same category. You Agreed. know what I mean? It can. And and I think that that is what makes this such an amazing, monolithic, special record. Is that. As amazing of a guitar player as Rob Flynn is, as ama- and as amazing of a songwriter and a vocalist, or you know, as amazing of a guitar player as Logan Mater is, amazing of a bassist is as Adam Deuce is, amazing of a drummer as Chris Krantos is, they're not Dime, they're not Vinny, they're not Rex, they're not Phil. But this record, these songs, stand up, can stand toe to toe. And that gave hope <laughs> to the rest of us. <laughs> right. Like it's it's almost it's almost tempting to say that they like just played to their strengths on here, but we know they had other strengths as well. That they yeah. just weren't exercising on this. Right. I like it really seems like they just had a, a vision and yes. executed on it like flawlessly. Right. That's a that's a that's a layer that 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 really has fascinated me. The past few days, like really, you know, like as I started listening and thinking about it, and try to put it in its historical context, or whatever is is, and especially knowing knowing where they would go, yeah, and then and then, because at the time, I, I like I'm listening to this record, like after I listened to Corn and White Zombie and Coal Chamber, yeah. and Osmosis and Trenkill and. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's all it's mixed in all with that, you know. So, true. I didn't have that context, right, to sort of 
you know, like, oh, well, Rob Flynn was in a thrash metal band before this that you cannot find their records anywhere. So get fucked if you want to hear it because right. it's the goddamn 90s <laughs> and you can't just find that shit. It's, it's not on Columbia House for you to, to oh, somehow yeah. get free. So, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And you've got a finite number of those. <laughs> mm, well, depends on how many addresses you got like how many grandmas well, we uh, me and a bunch of friends may have sent like 10 orders of columbia house to one person's house and gotten away with it completely <laughs> <laughs> i got a lot of cds from those halls yeah so yeah I, I think i did like four or five of them um, i mean it did something to my place too but my mom was like yeah that's cool but then we sent them to someone else's house without their knowing it and got a lot more <laughs> and so would you just like like watch the house and like see when it would come and just steal the mail. Oh, I mean, he lived there. He was in on it. Like, oh, okay. He was getting some too. But oh, okay. Yeah. It was like, give me two for every ten. <laughs> Something like that, probably. <laughs> uh, just <laughs> would it just just you know if you know a record's good, then just give me a copy of it. Like yeah. did, people, surely people listening to this, the ten people listening to this, don't fucking know what that is in some respect. So back in the day, there was there was BMG and Columbia House oh. and probably some other one too. But they were essentially like pub. They weren't pub. They were distribute. They were distribution, right? Mm-hmm. I guess uh, distribution channels where you could. The deal was you would find their flyers in magazines, mm-hmm. and you could pick twelve CDs plus one that you actually paid for. You right. you would buy a CD for full price, like. 12 bucks at the time and you could pick 11 more to get for a penny each that's right or yeah. free or whatever the deal what, happened to whatever be. The, the, the catch was and yeah. they would send you these 12 cds and a big cardboard box oh man and you you had only paid for one and the deal was you would buy more going forward you were like subscribed to their service or some shit. Right. Like you you were gonna buy one every month yeah but they sent you the 12 cds so you had them, so you didn't have to do shit after that, really. Right. And so if you were an asshole like us, you could just sign up under many different names and have like 10 of those boxes of, of 12 CDs each uh-huh. sent to someone's house. Yeah, man. And you just had a shit ton of CDs then. Yeah. With no repercussions, because they didn't come after you as far as I know. I'm not in jail. <laughs> <laughs> they never came after us. I think there were some debt collect. I think there were I'm some debt sh- some debt collection notices that that it got sent to my mom's house. Oh and, yeah, and maybe my grandma's house too. That that might have happened, and I never heard about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope not, because the lady whose house it was was very very nice, and I hope mm, she didn't get screwed for that. Um. So, but I don't like. I I remember like getting griped out about it a few years later. But I don't remember my mom having to go to small claims court about it. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I'm sure that happened so many times that they couldn't have possibly handled it. Maybe if it was these days where they had like resources to be able to do these things in a huge scale, mm. maybe they could have done it. Like with computers being what they are, internet being what it is. But it was it was through <laughs> magazines back then. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So that 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 was. Um, I kind of forget about. That jump started all of our CD collections and our music experiences. I got so much more diverse music than I would otherwise have. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even. T- I, I'd have to go back and look at all the music that I had if I even have a a list of it somewhere. But like, 
the first like Frank Zappa album I had was from that shit. No shit. Like, that's how I discovered that. You oh know? wow. All sorts of wild that, shit. That that would be a man. That would be fascinating to know, right? Like what were your what were your BMG orders? What were your Columbia oh, House orders? I wish orders? I could see. Oh man. I wish, but a lot of them were like other bands that I already had one of their albums and I wanted this other one, you know, and it was just right, here. So why right, not? Right. I know there was a bunch of like weird ones that I ended up in there that I just, there's no way I would have ended up with it otherwise. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like the REM record monster. Like I ended up with that one oh, wow. out of that. I had the monster cassette, but out of time, I got that CD from there. That's funny. <laughs> opposite. You were vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opposite for me. Nice, nice, nice. Because <laughs> my mom had the out of time cassette. Right. You know, and I thought that she was the coolest person alive. Not wrong. Because. <laughs> Great album. Yeah. Like, this, I, but this might be a totally fabricated memory. I mentioned this on, like, the first podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember seeing, like, R.E.M. play, like, Losing My Religion on, like, Saturday Night Live. And I was like, this is the coolest song ever. And she was like, well, I got the cassette right here. <laughs> and I'm like, you're the coolest person alive. <laughs> my mom is the best. This is so good. <laughs> no one could ever be cooler than my mom. <laughs> so. Uh, That's a pretty fucking awesome moment, honestly. It was pretty great. Like, I, you know, and this is the thing, right? Like, even if that's not what happened, my mom subsequently was cool enough to where that seems plausible. So that tells you what you need to know there you go there you go <laughs> love you mom um so okay well cool let's just uh, i do do you i have like a bunch of track random track by track notes i didn't do any track by track notes for any of these um, cool I, I i started to do some notes uh like i started listening to burn my eyes and, and started to do some notes but i was like i'll just i don't have track by track thoughts really it's just well, cool. I have very, I have very general feelings about both these albums. Gotcha. That, that. Um, well, I'll start. Yeah. I'll start going through mine, and you just piggyback on. Yeah. If yeah. I don't, if I don't, you know, and if I don't hit everything you had to say, then we'll King King will come back around. So, okay. uh, Davidian, I was like, this song is still just so damn heavy. <laughs> yep. Um, over the past few years, so because this is one of the ones that I like really committed to learning. Because it is, it's at like uh, like 156 BPMs, which is such a tricky tempo to do double bass at. So I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna really focus on this, right? Because it's, it's, it's kind of a mid. It's it it is the it is the mid of mids. Because like doing bass double bass at like 140 is like okay. Doing bass at like 150 is like okay. Doing double bass at like 170 is like okay, cool. Cruise control. Right, but like one fifty six, it's like <laughs> oh, and the and it's so hard to do, and it's so hard to do relaxed enough to make it groove the way that it does on this, mm. right? Like, oh, that's very difficult. Um, I mean, I'll just that 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 main riff is just so like simple, but just so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh Man. yeah, it's like it's a weird tempo, super hard to play, it's tight as fuck, and has so much feel, it's ridiculous. Um Breakdown Kings. I said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somewhere on here, I forget what song it is, but they break down the breakdown. Uh-huh. Oh, it's uh -huh. a, it's an old, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, slow. Slow. <laughs> he just announces slow. Yeah. And then they do it. 
They go slower. How like lame <laughs> is that? And how crazy is it that it works? It works and it's cool when it shouldn't be. Yeah, like that should definitely not slow. <laughs> that should not be cool. <laughs> Can you like imagine if it's like, like if before, like it's like, like an angel of death, you know, like before they go back into the solo section, like Tom Orion goes fast, fast. <laughs> speed, <laughs> like right before the, drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it just end up like fucking one on one proof where it was Phil's announcing that shit from time to time. That's fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the lead guitar sort of a dime bag oh, <laughs> just but th that Ooh. that's a very specific uh, that works contextually in a very specific manner but <sighs> saying on your studio album slow <laughs> and then saying it slower the next time uh, yeah that shouldn't work it, it should not work um all right, so another fun fact about Davidian. Uh, so there's this uh, king shit legendary metal drummer here in town named uh, Dauber Beverly. Okay? So he uh, currently plays in Necrofire. They're they're out on tour with, like, Danzig and Cradle of Filth. Mm. He's also in Oceans of Slum Slumber, critically acclaimed metal modern metal band. A lot of good name. And then back in the day, or a few years ago, he played in a, a grindcore band called Insect Warfare. And they're, like... Yeah, you're like, you can look up top 10 grindcore albums right Just now. Period. Period. And in every fucking list, and that Insect Warfare album's going to be in there. <clears throat> fucking right. incredible, right? Fucking so, for real. Dude is legit beyond legit. Now, I remember seeing him play at, like, he was playing at Fitzgerald's with, um, he was subbing in for, like, Brace for Nails. Um, or no, 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 no. He was in Brace for Nails, but um, Sean from Insidious Decrepancy was sitting in on vocals. That's what was different. Right, right, right. But anyway, just the, just the, like the 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 Houston, like he's just a, a pillar of like the Houston death metal scene or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And has been for like 20 years. Okay. Deserves all of the, absolutely deserves all the credit um, <clears throat> and everything. Has a lot of like crazy fusion chops and shit too. Anyway, dude's just legit beyond legit. Yeah. Like spent a lot of time like learning like classical piano. Like can play like fucking classical pieces on piano. Anyway, he's rad. fucking rad ass dude. Um, he talked to me when I was a fucking teenager. Took the time to fucking hang out with me. Made me feel cool. Like once, like twenty years ago. <laughs> so nice. Anyway, he was a guitar player before he heard Davidian. <laughs> Damn. So that's all you got to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing some in some random interview, you know, that like, oh yeah, I I I heard I started playing drums when I heard Davidian, <laughs> or I mean maybe he played a little before, whatever, you know. But he is he was like, all right, well, <laughs> like fuck this. That's what got you serious. You know what I mean? I mean, fair. Fair enough. Because the drums really carry this fucking record. Like you, that's the thing too, and that's what makes. I think. I think it's true to say about both these records, is that, um, because you could take these kind of riffs, and you could put them in like other new metal bands. You know, like they could end up in like a cold chamber on a cold chamber record, or they could end up on whatever. You know what I mean? But this drumming though. <laughs> 
<laughs> Disc drumming, though. On both of these. Like, you're not yeah. going to get... And that was what really separated them from the new metal bands at the time. Mm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, as much as I love them, you weren't going to hear, like, fucking spine shank or whatever you weren't even gonna hear like mudvane play drums like this you know what i mean no you really, you really that's a little do. later i shouldn't be comparing it i should be comparing it more i can't think of like i don't know i can't think of like, or lip biscuit i mean you're not wrong like you weren't you wouldn't hear spine shank or mudvane or limp biscuit play drums like this but like there weren't a lot of Nobody was really playing drums quite like this you know like, like maybe cold chamber is the better example because like Cold Chamber was like that kind of like heavy, right? You know, we have harsh vocals, an occasional like melodic ish thing in the voice, but mostly harsh vocals. They're not like we're not like we're not like full on rapping like Limp Biscuit. We're not doing sh- okay. shroom prog like <laughs> Mudvayne. You know, um, you're not doing like the industrial or like the 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 techno loop thing that spine shank's doing or whatever mm-hmm. like it's just drums basing guitar and vocals mm-hmm. you know but those kind of you know attain i'm not want to call them simple riffs i'm gonna call them attainable riffs but like that's attainable but this drumming not so much <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a great point and you know the so. the, the, the groove is like the centerpiece of of these first two albums especially. Right, 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 right. And you really have to um yeah, I was like I, I wrote this on Rage to about Rage to Overcome. Um I was like no one crushes mid-tempo grooves like Machine Head <laughs> and mid-tempo groove crushing template perfected by Chris Contos. <laughs> so um, yep. <laughs> I, I, th- that's a thing I can't take away. As much as I love, 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 love Dave McLean for everything he does throughout Machine Head's catalog. Totally. The whole range of it. You know. Because um, I, yeah, I don't think we said this is Chris Contos, this is Dave McLean going forward. Right. Right. Um, but, <clears throat> man, Chris Contos established a hell of a template. Yes, he did. For, you know, and so, man, goddamn. Goddamn the drumming on this fucking record. Like, I'm not a drummer. I don't listen to music for drums, like, by and large. Mm -hmm. That's just not what I'm there for. But, like, the things that I feel the most from this album, like, the drums, like... I, I can pick out a couple riffs here and there. Like, I know the riffs of Davidian because I've heard it so many goddamn times. Mm-hmm. But, like, the feel of the song is right. front and center for me there. Right, And right, it just right. kills it. And it's so tight. And it's so... And, like, his drum parts feel really um, thoughtfully composed in a way, you know? Um like there's hooks in there, you know, and whatnot. It's just it's just so well put together. Um, all right, uh, old. <laughs> so there's a in, there's an entrance, like one of those like <laughs> old. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, like at like three thirty. The part where they all drop out and then it comes back in. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. At like three thirty four, and it's like sloppy as fuck. Like it's like, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know there's only four people in the band, but I felt like I heard six entrances, you know, <laughs> like six feet drop. Yeah, yeah, six yeah. Shoes drop there. Right? Um, but I fucking love it because that's the thing too. Is it's like when everything around it is done so to like such a high level of precision that it's like, well, th- well, they 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 meant that. That was on purpose, you know. Like it, you could almost argue that because. When they do that, that re-entrance there, they come in like, what, like a, a seventh higher or something? It's not, it's not a fifth. It's not a fifth, but it's like... Okay. Because it's like, they come in higher for sure. Okay. I didn't pick up on that because I don't understand pitch. Um, Let me see if we're talking oh. about the same spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a little Cause, higher. Yeah, because normally he's like, oh, I can't fucking do the pitch. If, if you go back and listen to it, though, okay. it's, it's noticeably higher pitch. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like if they wanted it to feel more strained or maybe chaotic or something. So I see. I don't doubt that it was just, here's what they got. I, I don't know. On the one hand. And that's the thing. On, on the one hand, the rest of this album is so fucking well done that it seems impossible that they would do that and, and let it go. But maybe they thought it felt good. Exactly. So exactly. and it does. So and that's something I think that's something I'm gonna talk a little bit more about when we get to the more things change. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. That concept, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Thousand lies. I'm like they're straight up rapping on this verse. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and then I talked about the slow thing. Um, oh, that's what, okay. Yeah. And then, and then uh, about that one, I was like, this might be the definitive early Machine Head song in a way. Like, you hear thrash in here, you hear, like, the Pantera groove in here, you hear the hip-hop in there, and you hear and the hardcore is in there. Like, it's all in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, None But My Own. I was like, there's uh, almost new level vibes to the riff at 213. Um, let's see what I, what I was talking about. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. Um, very new levelish. Right. You know, so like things like that. Uh, Death Church. I think this is the song that got them signed, actually, by Monty Connor. No I, kidding. In the in the on the demo, I think Death Church was the one that like popped for him. Huh. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, th- th- these are just random things I've heard over like dozens, <laughs> or hundreds of random interviews and podcasts I've listened to over the past okay, like yeah, fucking yeah. decade. So, um, <clears throat> that, would, that would surprise me. But yeah, okay. Um, also worth noting that this we mentioned that this was uh, a Roadrunner album, mm. um, but this apparently was Roadrunner's best-selling album until uh, Slipknot self-title came along. For, for five years. Best-selling debut. I'm sorry. Best-selling debut album. Oh, okay. <clears throat> right. Yes. I was like, Bloody Kisses. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was not a debut album. Yeah. De- yeah, yeah yes, yeah. debut specifically. Right, right. And those other two records that I mentioned to compare it to, Sepultura, 
Solving the Machine. Also. Also Roadrunner. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's also a story about how Monty Connor almost signed Pantera. Right. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe you told me about it. Yeah. <clears throat> I did. But they- uh, Oh, weird. The, like, the guy who really ran, like the owner of Roadrunner, like had everyone sign this like crazy shitty deal, which was like, well, yeah, you have to make like, <laughs> you have to make 17 records with us or something ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we own your merch. And we do, he was like, it was like the, the, the pre 360 deal almost, you know? And, uh, and Pantera was like, well, we're an amazing live band. So we're getting lots of tour support. <clears throat> and they're like, well, we're not going to do that for you. We don't do that for anybody. <laughs> and Monty was like, you need to do it for these guys though. It was like, we don't do that for anybody. Damn. Yeah. Well, going to, going to East West then. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so what I said about yeah, and then the other thing I said about Death Church was I love the lyrics on this. It turns out the things I love about Rob have been there since the beginning. <laughs> so, you know, that was the thing that really stuck out to me when I was looking at because I as much as I like know these records, um, especially the more things change, I'm never I haven't like I sat with the lyrics with with the more things changed when I was a kid, but I haven't recently. Yeah, you know. And so, but like looking over the lyrics and whatnot, it's like these are still so good. Mm, yeah. Um. Well, like, I, we will. It'll become more clear to me later on when we get to the later albums. But like, so I I don't listen to this album very much these days anymore. Mm-hmm. Usually, if I listen to Machine Head, it's going to be like Under the Locust, mm. probably. Um. Because over time that became like my go-to. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I really love fucking through the ashes. I really love blackening, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But like, going back and like really listening to this a few times again, I was just like, this might just be my favorite of their albums. D- despite all the different stuff they do, arguably better later on. This is something about this album that just does it for me. It will never be my favorite, but it might objectively be their best. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That was like the exact opposite of what I'm saying, but I like it. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I like it. You know, and so what I appreciate a lot about the lyrics on this record is that it's, you know, like he's doing, he's doing like socially conscious, like, you know like socio-political stuff he's doing commentary he's talking about like fucking religion and church and stuff and stuff being fucked up he's talking about cults he's talking about the riots he's talking about extremism and racism and all this um sort of stuff i have a whole spiel when we get to realize but um you know but yeah like and so in a way in a way it's interesting to sort of pit him and El- and you know to like compare him and Anselmo you know is it's like oh well because that's really what outed Anselmo's racist stuff was Rob yeah you know right um way way later on and it's like from like the aggro bro word salad I'm gonna tell you how the world is thing like Rob has always been the more mature yeah, well, the only t- the only time that Phil really tried to do it was on Vulgar, you know what I mean, 
and 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 here Rob does it in such a more like mature, sincere, and authentic way. Because that's the thing too. It's like Rob fucking lives in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's talking about shit that he knows about. <laughs> yeah, like a, lo- a lot of the thematic stuff. Or some of the thematic stuff, at least, on his album, goddamn, was local was, to him. Right, he was a goddamn so, meth dealer for years, and James, like he himself was a goddamn drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like he's so there's a different sort of like maturity and evenness and authenticity to to his commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it feels more authentic. It feels thoughtful. It feels. Uh, considered in, in a way that feels just feels like a reaction. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like so, triggered, triggered white man shit. You know, like yeah. like some of the lyrics in Block are you know like white attack black, black attack back. The fucking media keeps us all blind. You know, and it's like that's that's really like <laughs> it might be like the only like the only metal record that, that doesn't, that, that like explicitly does not shit on black people. You know what I mean? Cause <sighs> you, you know what I, like, I you, hope you're not right, but maybe like, maybe it, I mean like metal records, just don't fucking touch that. Or they're just like, everyone sucks uh, or like everyone sucks in their own way. You know, like, Right or what? I'm not racist. I hate everyone. Or you know what I mean? Or it's like that kind of thing. It's like it's like the inverse. No, it's not. It's the inverse. All lives matter, sort of thing, but not quite that. It's on that spectrum, right? It's just kind of the. It's just kind of the doing that backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on it's the it's, being misanthropic rather than like, you know what I mean? Like, that's right, <laughs> right. And then to sort of just just any kind of acknowledge of like, yeah, well, black people aren't getting a fair shake. In a metal record. Yeah. You know? And so that sort of like brings up something else I wanted to sort of mention here about Realize. Because that's sort of, you know, all about the LA riots and whatnot. Which I think is something that is really difficult for us to understand, like, the cultural impact of. Um, Yeah, it's weird because I remember, like... We would have been like 10, 9, 10. 9. Right along in there. Yeah, because yeah. it was. It was 92. I, yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, I, I remember that being all over the place, but not really understanding what it was. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I I remember the OJ trial. Oh, yeah. Right. But I don't, I don't have a concept. I don't remember much of the LA riots. And, but. I feel like there was a convergence of a lot of influence of a lot of things around there that affected the demo, like the demographic that is chiefly responsible for, for listening to and making metal music, you know, which is like working class white dudes. Okay. Uh, And so, because you have like the popularity of gangster rap, you know, so you have like more visible black culture and whatnot, which, as we have unfortunately learned historically, that's enough to trigger certain types of white dudes. Um, and then you have the L.A. riots that happen, which are happening in a very in a, in a, in a different place 
right? Go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I guess the thing really that I remember specifically more is just the Rodney King incident itself, mm-hmm. which was very, like, here, here's this thing that happened. Right. And I think maybe that was more that was more simple, like to your point, like that was more simple for people to grasp onto because it was a very obvious thing where like, here was a fucked up thing that happened. Right. But what I remember is I remember all like, you know, all my family and everyone talking about like, well, he, this, he, this, he, this, he, this, he deserved that. Mm, That's what I remember hearing. Sure. sure, All the time. But yeah, I'm just, I'm saying like versus the riots themselves, because that was like, it's happening in LA. Whereas you can at least personify even as like a kid who doesn't really understand, you can go, oh, Rodney King's a guy. That's fucked up. Right. But not really understand why the riots are – maybe – I don't know. Sure. I can't remember. Yeah. Well. And and so – but like you have like sort of like this – these like latent racist ideas and you have like black culture becoming more visible because of the popularity of hip-hop. It ain't just black people who's buying hip-hop records. Sorry, guys. Like, there was a lot of white people who got really excited about buying N.W.A. and Tupac, okay? Uh-huh. Otherwise, yep. that shit wouldn't have been on display at the record stores that we went to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. So, um, but then, like, that reaction to the Rodney King, you know, the, the Rodney King beatings, and specifically the violence of the L.A. Police Department... And people are imagining like that happening in their own community. And it's not a that's not an appropriate correlation to make. I even I've heard Henry Rollins talk about that. Like that he grew up in DC. Mm-hmm. And he's like, when I went out to LA, I was shocked the first time that someone told me to watch out for the police that they might hurt me. Hmm. He's like, Well, what do you mean? Those are the cops. I thought they just like gave you directions and shit and helped you out if you needed it. You know, and they're like, Oh no, 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 they'll 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 club you. Don't fuck with the cops here. Stay the fuck away from them. You know, like the the L.A. police department during that time was, you know, that decade or whatever was notoriously violent. Right. right. And different than other. I mean, that that's that's the problem with all the Blue Lives Matter shit. Like, you know. A problem. A problem. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It well, well, like the cops that I've like gotten in into discussions with whenever I am criticizing shooting of unarmed black person X, you know, is they, they're, they're telling me about their experience on the job that they directly have had. And I'm like, has, I was like, but, but you haven't done this. You didn't kneel on. So you didn't shoot someone. You, you haven't done this. I am not, I'm not criticizing or incriminating you. I'm talking about that officer. Why are you defending that officer from another city, from another precinct, from another state? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's that, that like, we are what stands between order and chaos and all that bullshit. Sure. And yeah. so, but I guess like what I'm saying is that like, whenever you are in that environment, okay, you know, a small town environment or whatever, and you look on the TV and you wrap a narrative around the, the violence and the destruction that you're seeing. The narrative that you wrap around it is these. <sighs> what I heard is like, oh, well, from these, the people around you, from the people yeah. around me was 
things like, oh, you know, like these animals, mm -hmm. these animals are destroying their own neighborhoods, you know, right. like that's, that's like the thing that, that you hear all the time. And so it's just becomes like another for them, like just this other like justification, this other, this other piece of data and, you know, to sort of support their conclusion that they feel that black people are subhuman in some way or, yeah. or less valid culturally, less able to contribute to society in some way. Yeah. And they use the LA riots as sort of, you know, confirmation for that in some way. And here's a really terrible example. Um, there's a death metal band called Malevolent Creation. Their first few albums are really, really good. Um, now they wrote a, they had an album that came out in, um, 1995. Okay. Okay. So a few years after this, um, and I'll just, uh, I'm not going to read these lyrics, but, um, well, I'll read a few. But, like, so the song's called They Breed. Born into this world of filth, a plague in every city, the real world is not so real, filled with scum and lying thieves, threats of pain, claiming lives, when we owe you nothing, forced to live in fear forever, still they breed. Here's the important part. Always wanting, always taking what was never yours. Someday you will feel the hate that you gave to others, okay? Filled with diseases, still they breed, okay? So you get you get the idea, right? Okay. Okay, so at first it's like, uh, not necessarily a big deal. Okay, but when you listen to the song, you know, the very end of it, you know. Okay, last verse. Hate towards you and your kind, Bad blood flows forever. My life is not complete until you've killed each other. Always gave to others. And then the last word, the last thing, which, which is not in the lyric sheet, okay, is F you, you effing in words. Wait. Yes. Because up until that point, you could kind of, there's a very clear line you can draw to, he's talking about black people, obviously. But you could also be like, well, maybe it's a more general thing. But it, it, it's a tr like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You really spell it out there. Up till that Don't line, you? it's just like, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're just like, because like death metal just talks about shitty things. So it's like, all right, yeah, sure, whatever. Right, you, maybe you could, you could see them taking that misanthropic bent yes. on it, and just like people are the thing that is shitty. <sighs> right, 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 but right. But when right, you right. really, you really hammer it home there. And be incredibly specific about your intentions. Right. Or, you know, like, my life is not complete until you've killed each other. You know, and it's like, so it's like, it's that, it's that black on black crime idea perpetuating. Jesus and then right at the end. Christ. Yeah, man. It's startling. Because when I started to do like my sort of like death metal plunge, I got really into their first two records. Like, dude, this band is amazing. Let me listen to other stuff. And I listened to like their most recent record. I'm like, this is amazing. And then I'm like, why aren't these guys bigger <laughs> you know yeah when, when did that come out 95 95 right yes. yeah, yeah yeah and so it's like oh yeah it turns out that like whenever you drop a hard n-word you know even on a death metal record that turns out people don't don't want much to do with you anymore um and Jesus. so 
But I'm just using that as an example of how, like, these things did show up in metal. These right. things, these ideas did manifest in the metal community, right? And, like, so malevolent creation may have been, like, here, but there's other things, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, that didn't go as explicit, you know, things that I don't know about. You know, I'm not doing a dissertation here. Sure. I didn't do a full lit review and read all of the lyrics made by metal bands from 1993 to 1996 or something. But it's safe to say that there are more examples out there. Probably, you know, at, le at least there are people who held those views. Yeah. Right. Well, if not as explicitly, like you said, like, like maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't making its way into the art, but, 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 you know, and so like for Rob, I'll, I'll put money on there being more examples <laughs> in the art. Fair enough. Um, but so for like Rob to explicitly put the opposite view into into the art, mm -hmm. it's like fucking right on, you know. That's cool, right? Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> well, it just it just sort of like it just kind of is like, oh yeah, well he was like always paying attention and always, you know, it what he like he didn't like become woke the way that a lot of people wanted to criticize him and like, oh, Rob's a social justice warrior now. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like, and I guess like that's the thing too is it's like when people flip their shit on Burn My Eyes because there's rapping now, it's like, dude, the goddamn Burn My Eye, the, the Davidian video, he's rocking around with pimples and cornrows. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, <gasps> right. they toured with Slayer, like on the Slayer Divine Intervention VHS. He, Rob Flynn comes out and plays the Venom song Witching Hour with him. And he looks like, like he has like a bandana, you know, and he, you know, you know, like he looks like a fucking like cholo. A, he looks like the dude from Biohazard. <laughs> <laughs> or he, he looks like um, home dude from Suicide Tendencies, who he looks like. Oh, sure. That's a much better example. Um, but but it's like, it's it's it was there from the beginning. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you fucking idiots. Uh, so, but yeah, okay. So then like our big old litmus ways to judge a record, right? Songwriting, killer unique songs. You could have recorded this with trash production, and it still would have made an impact. I feel probably, uh, yeah. The songs themselves are amazing, but boy, does the production like elevate it for sure. It's crazy. The production, god tier. <laughs> like I can't, I can't stress enough how surprised I was to be like, to to get through this album once before I listen to it a couple more times, and just be like, this, this could have come out any time between 1994 and like 2010. Yeah. Or, or, it, or whatever it, yeah 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 uh, yeah it it like some albums feel timeless this album just feels ahead of its time yeah uh, maybe, I mean, maybe there's some timeless aspect to it but it, like it sounds amazing either way yeah absolutely um the performances so this is where like where it's like on like say like the pantera records mm -hmm. where it's like you know like well that the way that Dime played, no one plays like that. No one's going to play that song that way. No one's going to phrase that vocal that way. Uh -huh. You know, like like on like Far Beyond Driven or, or whatever. Like all those feel very, like the performances are dialed up to 11. Like the uniqueness of the performances. I don't feel like that is necessarily the case here. I don't feel like, like I don't feel like, I feel like Chris Contos made, like wrote like amazing drum parts. 
-hmm. You know what I mean? But I don't know that like Chris Contos plays drums differently than anyone else plays drums. You know what I mean? Uh, This is, I might be reaching here or I might be like, maybe I'm just articulating this way and just sound like I'm being shitty. (laughs) Um, I guess like, yeah, like, This is what I mean. Okay, this is what I mean. You take, like, what Vinny or Dime played, and even when the songs suck, that's still, like, you just take what they played, and you're like, that's still cool. This song sucks, but there's something that's still here, you know, but just because, oh, well, that's interesting that Vinny did that that way, right? Mm-hmm, or that okay. Dime did that that way. If these songs sucked, you know, if the composition of the parts sucked, like there's there's no, you know what I mean? Like there's no like these, there's not like these like fingerprint performance nuances of the players on, on here, you know? I, I don't agree from strictly from a guitar perspective i guess because i can't think of another band before this that used for example like their signature fucking natural harmonics the way that they do but not just like i did a harmonic here but like weave it into the riff Mm, and mm -hmm, have it have mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. it has an effect on the flow of the riff as well uh and i think that's really I think that really works in a way that other people just didn't really do. I can't I can't speak as much to the drum side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh and the bass just isn't as it's kind of not front and center it's not as, very present as you this. might as you might think. So Yeah, maybe I'm full of shit. Um well it could be be from that perspective that Yeah, and it yeah. Um there's there's some compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, lyrics great. A big step forward in aggressive metal lyrics, I feel. You know, steps mm. away from the aggro word salad of vulgar, but still maintains the intensity. Um, yeah. And uh, and then the influence of this record is monolithic. Like, yeah, I, maybe a bigger influence than vulgar, than really maybe one of the most influential metal records ever made. I think you're probably right, and I didn't really appreciate that. Until now, I think uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah, like that. I mean, like, cause there's like influential records, like, oh man, we all listen to that. We got inspired to make our own thing. And then there's, <laughs> then there's every record sounded a lot like this for a <laughs> afterwards. Long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, like that's. And I guess like that's what makes the record so weird. And that maybe that's what makes me feel like I'm dialing down the importance of the performances is because like maybe because the production is like you could have played almost anything. And if it had this production on it, like the songs could have been garbage. But with this production, it still would have been like, well, God, we all we we got to do that. <laughs> Maybe the case, yeah. I, I want. Yeah. There's probably some shitty record. There's probably some unknown record that has like this production that was released six months before by one band that only had one record. <laughs> it's a small label or something like that. No one knew who they were. Uh, you know, they just didn't have promotion or like the band broke up like on their first week of tour or something. You know, right? Like someone has some story. 
someone's someone's gonna you know um but yeah like i, I want to say something about i don't i don't i want to say something but i don't know what to say exactly but like specifically about like the guitar playing on this album is like i remember hearing it and like not really understanding how they were doing the things they were doing because mm. like some of the things just sounded so different to everything else. Like you listen to the Sepultura album and it's just like very like, sure. and it's like, it's pretty straight ahead. And even in fear factory that early on was just like, here's some pretty fast stuff. And then a lot of like, and like some groovy stuff. Okay. But the, the feel that they had here mixed with like, the, the weird use of natural harmonics in there and a lot of really interesting um, melodic choices within a riff. Mm. Uh, and just the way that... Like, the, the riffs on here, honestly, are like very new metal going forward. So besides even the production, yeah. like, the way that, that Davidian riff yeah. is constructed is... a is like how riffs kind of would be for a while. I, I hadn't, re- I didn't really think about it until today of like, oh my God, like no wonder Rob Flynn was miffed as a motherfucker whenever <laughs> Slipknot was conquering the world. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. You uh, know, the, Slipknot, a, a lot of Slipknot riffs are very this. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, just yes. like I'm just gonna hang out down here and do and have a cool groove and a cool rhythm, yeah, and something you can sing along to. And but, but, but we're we're all here on like one through four. Yeah, we're like we're gonna be in drop D and we're gonna slide around to some cool melodic stuff and, uh, like it happened here and there before, but like I feel like this codifies it in a way. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, to me this is like incredibly influential. Yeah. Even just in terms of the playing. Right, right, right. Because I feel like new metal bands were like, well, let's do riffs like that. But we don't have a, we, we don't have, we don't have a, like, we don't have a, we're a bunch of fucking 18 year old kids, you know, or what, or like, you know, we're a bunch of fucking 15 year old kids. We don't have a 30 year old thrash metal drummer or, you know, like a, you know what I mean? Like a guy or like a guy who's like 26 and has been playing thrash metal in clubs for 10 years that can like play this fucking shit, you know? Yeah. Um, On the drums. So, you know. We're gonna go back, go back, go back, you know, like if you can't do the sixty dollars, you're still with a hi hat. Looking at you, Cole Chamber. <laughs> um, so, all right, yep. And let's uh, dive into the more things change. Um, so this was three. Three, yeah, three years, three later, years later, Chris left. They got Dave McLean on the drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite records of all time. There's so much grit, swagger, groove, and aggression on it to me. Mm-hmm. There's a fury on this record that is intoxicating to me. Um, this is Dave's first record with them, and he's got a totally different thing than Chris does. Yeah. I feel like there's more energy on The More Things Change. Um, Chris is a lot more center, like center of the beat. But Dave kind of swings in a different way, so the slower parts are like a little behind and dig in harder to me, and mm. the fast parts push a little more. Okay. You know, it's not that they're technically faster; it's that like the phrasing is like more frantic, 
on right. like the fast parts, like you know, like on the more things change, you know, um, the song, right? Or that's not actually the name of the song. On the song struck a nerve. I always think the same thing. Yeah, I'm like, it's the one where they say the more things change a <laughs> the lot. Oh, the, they say the clearly it's called that. No, it's not. It's not. Um, whereas like the drumming on Burn My Eyes is amazing, but feels more sort of calculated and composed. Dave feels like he's just fucking going for it. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. And for me with drumming, that tends to do it for me more, I guess, is, is what it comes down to. And I think for, I, th- that's probably the big divergence. Is probably. That I like on Burma eyes. I'm like, that is a, that is an incredibly well composed, tasteful, thoughtful drum part executed flawlessly with impeccable feel, <laughs> you know? And then with Dave McLean, or with with the more things changed, I'm like that. The, none of that should have stayed together and worked. Right. That is a that is a guy holding on. Just this like and, chaotic mass that they pushed onto the song somehow. Right, and that they are like they are going, but man, it works, and right. I love gotcha. it a thousand <laughs> times a thousand. You know, um, it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I think for me at the time, this record was so important because it was truly a middle ground, like we talked about, between like 80s thrash and 90s new metal. Now knowing Rob's history, it's easy to see why that was. Because we we had the Metallica records. We were listening to Metallica records. We, but we also had Korn and White Zombie and shit like that. And it's like, right. you know, like, why can't, you know, and like this was something that grooved the way that Korn did or White Zombie did or whatever but still was like heavy the way that Metallica or Slayer was heavy, you know? Um, the entire record is a clenched fist and stank face for me. Just. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. Totally. Agreed. Um, Ten Ton Hammer. I'm like, this is one of the best metal songs ever written. <laughs> like, um, the bass tone. That's not the thing. There's there's bass on this. There's record. a lot more bass on this. And album. it is amazing. It, yeah, it's all over the fucking place. Um, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, just a bunch of random. This is just random thoughts. I don't have like I didn't do a lot of timestamps or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much. There's an urgency to this record. Like it feels like nervous to me. You know that fucking blows me away because it's the exact opposite for me. Man, where like I, I'm, I'm just gonna say like very generally, yeah, this album feels slow and plodding to me versus the like rampant energy of this album. What I will say now, maybe maybe here's where we can find a middle ground okay. on this. Okay, um, actually, let's hold that thought. Okay, because it will naturally come up. Let's hold that thought. Okay, gotcha. Because I, I think I think I have a way to reconcile. This. <laughs> okay, you can bring these two divergent streams together. I I think so. Um, struck a nerve. So fury that kick entrance before the second verse. You know where it's like. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. just there's there's all sorts of like little things like that that you almost have this sense of like that just happened when they were recording it. Mm. You know what I mean? Also about the recording process with this, I think they had to like re-record the guitars on this like three times. Really? There was some crazy bullshit about like 
like the tone sucking or losing files or so, there was some craziness that I remember hearing that was, you know, like you're going to have to come down here and do it again. Wow. You know, so I, that's the other thing about this record too is, and that's maybe something that like what makes it fall a little flat probably to a lot of people. It does to me. Like I, I don't like the way this, this guitar sound sounds, especially compared to this one, like by a lot. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. And I, I made sure to look like it's the same it's still uh, Colin Richardson on production. It's still the same engineer. So like every, everybody's right. here, you know, except Dave McLean, obviously. Right, 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 right. But, but guitar-wise, like all the all the same players are here. And right, right, so right. I didn't realize that there was a. The, the, there was some elements, some factors at play that made this a real pressure record, and mm. I don't know if that was. Uh, condensed time in the studio. Like, you don't have as much time. Like, you don't have much time to write it. You don't have much time to record it. You right. don't have, or we've already had this tour booked for you, so you have to get it done by X. I don't know. There were some factors that really squeezed the time. Right. So they did not have as much time to do this one. And Because, man, being three years after the fact, you would think that they would have, like... But they had so much they're, success they're on this so that, much, they were, that they just put them out there touring yeah. to death, probably. Um, and so, and, and who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. uh, pissed on the thing, you know, hmm? so maybe a cat pissed on their, <laughs> you know, could be anything. So, and then like the lyrics and struck a nerve, you know, courage to kill the pro-life. And I was like, how topical, Rob? <laughs> Good uh, job. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hmm. Are you, uh, what year is this? Are you here? Oh, shit. Um, down to none. This is one of my favorite songs, like ever. It's fucking it's, fantastic. It's song. so massive, you know. Yes, like that. That I say, like slow and plodding, but really, it just feels like chunky. Yeah, this album feels like thick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And this, that song especially, it's right? Just, there, there's like mm. a. It, it lacks kind of the sniper's focus that "Burn My Eyes" kind of has. It does, and that's I love that so much about it. But like. This is a different. This to me is just a different thing, and I like what it does. I prefer this, but like, it, this is also undeniable in a different way. Right, 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 right. Um, so, uh, four twenty four, four twenty four. Let's see what it, what what is what am I talking about? <laughs> you just put a timestamp. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, explanation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I was like, there, there are more. Like this album has some of the best. Like switching from like normal, like halftime to double time to the, the, the to regular, the best in the goddamn game is on this fucking record. So yeah, that's a great example. And I, you know me, I, I when when that <laughs> happens and it happens right, I'm like just I melt, man. <laughs> um, here's another interesting thing about this song and this. I think it might be another big factor mm -hmm. for the whole for the record as whole. So this song, like the first time that like the double bass comes in, you know, like when the song really starts, it's like one forty four ish. Okay, when it ends, it's like one fifty eight. Mm. So I don't think this album was done to a click track. This one might have been. Maybe so. Yeah. And so 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 the tempo and is like real, you know, is like in the energy. Is real drifty on this one, right? That, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes that makes some sense. And um, even on 
like uh, there was one song where there's like this halftime break, like there's this tempo change, and you know, and it's like, God, what I? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's on Bay of Pigs, right? Yeah, um, into into the chorus on there, like there's a tempo change that is like, but it's like, it actually slow. It's doing halftime. But it slows it down slower than halftime and then speeds it back up after a few measures back to normal, like what would have normally just been halftime. And it's like, listen, that's like, dude, no wonder my tempo's been shit. Because <laughs> this was your, your This influence. is my template. Yeah. yeah right. Um, yeah. Front lines, goddamn these lyrics, this fucking outro, spine, this. You know, love the chorus. This record feels so pissed, and I can't get enough of it. It does feel, like, darkly angry at all times. And uh, the second verse, like, kind of on Spine still fucks with me. Let me see what the lyrics were on Spine. Um, yeah, life filled with deception, unwanted inception, wanted redemption for it all. All my love frustrated, push alienated, wait for me to take the fall. My faith has waned because I feel the strain. In my eyes, it's all gone wrong. Well, rise above from this lack of love. It won't be long now. You know, you fake it, mistake it, you know, da, 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 all that stuff. Like, and that's the thing. Like, the lyrics on here are a lot, like, they hit, I mean, even still, like, they, they hit me as, like, a really vulnerable, sad, traumatized fucking, you know, young man, boy. They, because that's what Rob was. You know what I mean? And he's starting to get more personal with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another reason that this record resonates with me more. Right. Um, Bay of Pigs. I was like, lyrically, this is the first of many Rob historicisms <laughs> where he's like, all right, Bay of Pigs, right? Is that about like the Cuban Missile Crisis? Not at all. It's about how cops suck. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of... It's about one of two things. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of those in in Machine Head's career. (laughs) We will come back to this theme. Um, But I'm always good for a down fuck the police song. Um, You know, and like, yeah, this is the one that had that tempo change that I was talking about. Um, Violate. Okay, so Violate might be... It's one of the most epic songs ever fucking made um, to me. Like, I, so what I wrote was like, it's the most epic, like a melodic song, you know, like, like, it's not like, like, there's not like a bunch of, there's not like, well, there's not a bunch of melody in it. Um, a melodic. But it's, it's still this just like sprawling, you know, like it's like neurosis. And it's just like this sprawling, just, you know, filthy, epic, dirty, climactic opus to me. Uh, Like, and then the moment at like 520, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, we're we're just going to, we're just going to, we're just going to deal with this and I'll have to deal with it. Like this really felt like. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. We're com- coming at you, YouTube. Yeah. 
we're gonna go. We're gonna half time it. And we're gonna double time it again. It's so like simple and so, you know, and then you, you know, and then, then we go for like the, the blasted out part or whatever. So like that, like 520, like that to 50, like that 30 seconds makes the entire record for me. When I hear that, it's hard for me to like, not like just flip over any fucking table in sight and just like run through walls and shit like that, that, like that whole song that like, that is the climax, of the entire record for me. Yeah, I think I agree. Like I, I think that that song like exemplifies how this record feels to me, but like in a good way. Like it, it, it's this is not the template they took going forward, but the same like the way you're describing sort of like a a disjointed like epic feel, yeah, like build up throughout. Right. I feel like they did that a lot. Yeah. Going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the, there's a payoff. Right, yeah, there's, there's an insane payoff at the end of it, you know. Fuck you, never, 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 never jet skin, you know, like all that shit. You want it? You ain't shit. No, you ain't shit to me, you know. And yes. well, it is a little fucked up. Like read these lyrics now. It's like, oh god damn it. Now that I know that like Rob was molested, <laughs> um, mm. these hit a little different. <laughs> um, a bit more personal than you had bargained for to begin with. I when I was growing up, I thought it was I thought it was directed at someone who had violated someone else. <laughs> right not it was a third person not a first person yes yeah yeah, uh, yeah so now here's where i think that maybe our opinions will maybe maybe here's how we can reconcile things i feel like the album should have ended there hmm. because as it stands it's like a 52 minute album you take off these last two songs and it's like a tight, like 42 minute album mm, 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 mm. Um, or 40 minute album or something. 44 maybe. But yeah, like I think that I think that if you take those last two off. Now, this record as a whole doesn't have a plotting feel to it. Maybe so. Maybe I, I, I would like to go listen to that to it again with that in mind but i mean even even by virtue of just ending with violate like that alone would elevate things how do you because because that's the thing it's like there's cool stuff on blistering um but there's nothing that's cool on blistering that isn't like also on spine or bay of pigs or Final, you know what i mean like there's nothing i mean it's cool it's cool but it's like but violate is like just so epic i don't know how you follow any follow it with anything yeah um and so but um same thing with black blood of the zodiac like it's a really cool riff main riff groove you don't hear that kind of groove in six eight um very often and so but yeah i feel like the last two tracks um i mean maybe you could have put them mixed them in here but honestly i don't think so i think you just because i don't think like blood zodiac is like yeah this is like violate but like not as good um and you know what i mean like and so you would you end up with like a shorter record than burn my eyes by a little bit but then again this was the 90s this was the cd era this was the filler era <laughs> yeah so but what's interesting is there's also like a lot of like bonus tracks for this they did it in this session you know that i had never heard until today 
Oh, really? Yeah. Like one was a track for like Demon Knight. And it's like, okay, this is like a little precursor to Burning Red in a way. Right. You know, one was like this hardcore, just straight up hardcore track, which was on some compilation, which was rad. And then another one was the just a legit rap cover of the song Colors, um, which might be an Ice Cube song. I don't recognize the title offhand, but. Um, Demon Knight. Man, I'm. Uh, Ice T. As Ice, Ice, Ice T. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like, it's got, like, fucking, like, program drums and, or, like, you know, like, sample drums and, and Rob's, like, just legit rapping and shit like that. So I don't know what it ended up on, but, um, but yeah. Thinking about, I was thinking about Demon Knight the other day, which is the Tales from the Crypt movie. Yeah. Uh, which had an amazing, inex- inexplicably amazing soundtrack. I feel like there's like a whole sound, like we almost need to do a whole, like a soundtrack episode. That's exactly what I was going to bring up because there's like that, there's the crow, there's spawn. There's, there's last action hero. Dude, there's you know? so many wildly like punching so far above their weight soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like that was like unique to that era. Yeah. You know, of like, yeah, man. Like to where it like made sense for record companies. Like, yeah, man, just put a bunch of our fucking music in in this fucking movie. And because the thing, a lot, the thing about a lot of that stuff is the, they weren't on other albums a lot of the times. Right, 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 right. Or it would, or like the soundtracks were like the proto mixtape or like the playlist. It was a proto playlist in a lot of ways. Yeah. Or like you got the Spawn soundtrack, which was like a metal band and a techno band. Which, or the, right, right, or right. The Judgment Night soundtrack, exactly. which was a metal band and a rap group. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. So right, cool. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, we'll get back to that, I think. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's I think that's kind of I think I said everything that I wanted to say, you know, like looking at these liner notes and uh in in Burn My Eyes we got Rob gives much respect and thanks to the following. But then you come over here to uh, the more things change and you got Rob gives a sincere thanks with an X and big what up to the following. <laughs> <laughs> okay you're so legit rob i don't know it's just uh yeah 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 that that that's like a whole other art form is like the the, the liner notes yeah the liner notes you know the greets uh, the uh-huh. thanks yeah so but yeah like the more things change and that's the thing too it's like oh this is another interesting thing for me the record did always end at violate because i had a very traumatic experience at the dentist when i was like a, a like a year or two after this came out, so I could never handle the oh. beginning of of the blistering. Oh like, wow! With a, I was like, can't skip, <laughs> can't deal with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. But to but the first eight tracks on here are like just perfect. Like if you made me pick, like first eight tracks of this or burn my eyes, like I ha- I have to this you know what i mean um i wouldn't hold it against you but again it's kind of like what we were talking about i guess like with trend kill versus far beyond driven how we sort of feel about that i guess kind of i guess i don't know Hmm. but and i guess that's what's tricky is like i feel like i don't want to say it but i I, like burn my eye like i there's a lot of like contradictory things for me because i can objectively say like oh well 
Burma Eyes is an is an incredible monolithic, influential, perfect metal record, whatever. And I can say that the more things change has two extra songs you don't fucking need and is therefore not a perfect metal record. Uh-huh. But it, I can't say that the more I can't say that Burma Eyes is better than the more things change. <laughs> These things that's not the associative property. It doesn't <laughs> does not apply. Right. It does not necessarily follow. Because I don't even think that, like, because I think that the, anyway, I love the songs on here, you know, those first eight at least. Yeah, there's, like, luckily you don't have to choose. Right, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah, Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Uh, So, yeah, it's like two just utterly fantastic albums. So. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I don't. I think that's everything that I had. Yeah, same. Burn My Eyes was one of my favorite metal albums, period. One of the best. Yeah. That's that's, that's what I got. And then we'll go on through their catalog. And I feel like, uh, I feel like in a weird way, this album was a, like they took a step in this direction and then didn't decide to keep going as hard in this direction. Yeah. The next album is quite a turn. Yeah, um, yeah, like this, and they never fully went back to this. No, they really didn't. So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting, almost like an outlier in their catalog. I guess it in is in some strange way. I guess it is. Be- I almost feel like, I mean, and I'm grateful for it because I, whatever yeah. this is, I, I love whatever it is. But I almost feel like it is maybe, maybe an incomplete thought in a way. Mm. of like it's not quite what they like if they would have had another two months or something or another month to write it or record it that maybe you would have gotten something you know something different or whatever it's really hard to know what tensions there were in the band and what the writing pro you know was like uh hey guys uh already booked your studio time um you've got you've so you've got uh, three weeks to write your second record, and then we're going to start recording it, and you're going to have three weeks to record it, um, and then three weeks to master it, three weeks to mix it, and then you're going to go out on tour with, you know. <laughs> right. Then, you, then you're on tour for Europe. You know, then you're touring. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. <clears throat> and on the, so on the one hand, they had a new drummer, right. but from everything that I've read, it was like they 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 – took a lot of time and put a lot of thought into considering who their next drummer would be. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to believe they had like a they, lot of tryouts or t- time to deal with like making that choice. So maybe they were comfortable with it, but I don't know. Right. And I think that Dave did like join them and did like finish, like did sort of join them and finish up like touring finish for, the tour for burning for Barma. Is there something in there? I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know. I didn't do that aspect of the homework. Yeah. Um, beyond the scope of this pod. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but it, it, I think what is interesting, I, I feel like subconsciously we're sort of, you know, because like we did the Pantera thing and now it feels right to do the Machine Head thing. And it is interesting because Machine Head is like straddling, you know, these, there's like a torch passing almost in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like Machine Head is like the halfway band between Pantera and New Metal. You know, they're the average of that. And what's 
I think what's going to be interesting as a point of contrast is we each had very strong opinions about every single Pantera record. Um, and that's not going to be the case with all the Machine Head records. No, it's not. You know, like, because, like, my, I don't hate a single Machine Head record. There's not a single one that, like, bothers me the way that, like, reinventing the steel bothered me. <laughs> right. You know. That was a very special case. There's not a, there's not a Machine Head record that, like, disappoints me the way that reinventing the steel did. Sure. Um, yeah, agreed. You know. Yeah. There's ones that, there's ones that are like, oh, that's that thing. Are you, you know what I mean? Like, there's ones that I li- that I like for different reasons. The, yeah, there there are ones that I like for different reasons. There are ones that I got way into more than others, and there are some that I just didn't get very into. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. And but I don't I don't think that there's. <sighs> that's not true. I th- I think Catharsis was was kind of a bad record. But not for the reasons that most people think it's a bad record. <laughs> right. Like, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. We'll, we'll get there. I, I don't. Okay. I don't think it was. I, I don't think it was bad because I think it had. I still think it had some of their best songs on it. Has some. It has some incredible songs. I think it's a very disjoint record. And I have tried so many times to, to like. What songs do you need to cut out to make this work? <laughs> you know, right? How do you and, carve this up into yeah, like a great album? Right, 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 right. So, but anyway, more machine. Next week might be the episode. We'll see. It's about time. <laughs> we'll see. So, all right.